My name is Lex, and this week on Spidey Signals, me and my co-host Alex discussed Brian Michael Bendis, Morgan Gendel, and Marsha Griffin's Spider-Man, the new animated series, trance music, and polyamorous Peter Parker. Get ready to descend into madness, because it's time for Spidey Signals. Welcome back to Spidey Signals, the podcast where two guys with the same name talk about Spider-Man. I'm Lex. And I'm Alex. Last week, we had, we had a kind of a, a short episode. We talked about the amazing adventures of Spider-Man, the, the theme park ride. And we also talked about a couple of other things, the, the No Way Home trailer, uh, the, the freshman year announcement, and uh, stuff going on in this uh, particular podcast. Uh, you know, it was nice to have a, a shorter episode. A breather. It, it, after all the, the slew of content that we've covered in the past few months now, uh, I, I find I keep looking at my calendar and I keep realizing how close to the end of this we are with each passing episode. But it, it's been fun. I've had a, a great time with the second season and that kept going this week. Yeah, now we've got uh, we ha- we specifically have a lot to cover this episode because mm. uh you know, instead of the uh, the when we did Spectacular, where we split seasons in half, this is a whole thirteen episode season of a TV show, and it's the only one. And uh, you know, really, uh, I'm not surprised that it was the only one. Yeah, um, it, it it exists in a weird spot. We're gonna get into it and talk about it all in a bit. Um, but with that this said. Is- Usually with with content that I haven't seen before, I'll I'll look for, you know, a really well detailed synopsis somebody else wrote on the Internet. Believe it or not, nobody gives a shit enough about this show to have done that. So I found like, you know, bare bones ones for each episode and then built what I could off the backs of those. So we'll we'll talk about, you know, the, the plot at large of the episode, but maybe not every specific individual scene like we had more, you know, breathing room for on the spectacular episodes. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I I did my own research, in fact, and I did find, you know, one exactly one guy who has done individual episode by episode reviews of these. Uh, but, you know, just it's it's sort of of everything we've watched so far. And I think everything we're going to watch for the rest of this and I'm including uh, fucking turn off the dark because people know turn off the dark. You know, it's that Spider-Man Broadway musical. It's, it's that injured on. It's infamous. But like nobody talks about this show. Because, yeah. I, I mean, and I'm just going to say it now, out of everything we've talked about so far, and I'm including, you know, Turn Off the Dark and the 77 TV movie, uh, this is like the most morbidly fascinating thing I've watched ever. And it's like the most, maybe even the most insane Spider-Man thing I've ever seen. It's I can nuts. agree with that. Even having seen recent, relatively recently Toei Spider-Man for the first time, like more or less through, this is such a starkly it stands in such stark contrast to everything else that existed up to this point uh if if people if people thought Raimi was grim dark this is fucking incredibly just weird i don't even know if i'd call it grim dark and i mean with toei there's that it, that's part of the the to, sort of tokusatsu tradition is that it's you know kind of over the top and lots of weird shit going on. Of course, uh, that comes with the territory. But this is just a, an entirely new breed of crazy that we're talking about. Uh, and the weirdest part is that I like like the first half of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
but we're going to get into it. If you don't know, or if you didn't read the title, uh, we're talking about Spider-Man, the new animated series. Uh, this was a, a cartoon that only had 13 episodes. It was released uh, from July 11th to September 12th of 2003 uh, on MTV. So that means, uh, you know, it's on cable. It's uh, It has opportunities to be a little bit more dark than something like Spectacular, which was on a, a Disney show, which was, you know, a, a kid's cartoon. This is a bit more aimed towards teenagers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also along with that, we, we found out when we were uh, getting ready to record this episode was that all the episodes, uh, if you watch them in release order, like when they first came out, they're in the wrong order. So thankfully, Wikipedia has them in the correct storyline order. So we had to watch them uh, we had to figure that out. The torrent that I downloaded, thankfully, had everything in the correct order. So I didn't have to worry about that because it's the correct order on the DVDs. But it's it's really weird why they would do that. Yeah, I had to watch this across multiple sites because the site that I use mostly to watch like cartoons only had specific episodes. YouTube only had specific episodes. Uh, so even past that, I should have looked at the Wikipedia article or a DVD case or something to get a semblance of an idea. Because when I watched it, I I saw parts of it out of order and I saw an episode where Max was still alive. Yeah, after the, uh, Electro thing. Uh, so I was like, OK, what the fuck is going on here? And I had to look into it further and I was like, oh, well, that fixes that. I saw an episode with Indy in it before they introduced Indy. <laughs> oh, my God. OK. Uh, yeah, this show is a mess already. Uh, but the show was developed by three people. Brian Michael Bendis, who is the, the famed writer of the Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon, uh, cartoon the Ultimate Spider-Man comic book, uh, who, you know, has made creative decisions that I haven't necessarily agreed with. But, you know, it's Brian Michael Bendis. Yeah. Uh, Morgan Gendel and Marsha Griffin. So the three of them basically created the series for TV. Uh, there are a lot of directors and writers for this show, so I'm just going to bang them off right now. Uh, these episodes were directed by Tim Eldred, Vincent Edwards, Adu Padden, Brandon Vietti, and Alan Caldwell. Uh, these episodes were written by Morgan Gendel, Rick Suvale, Greg Johnson, Todd Felderstein, Marsha Griffin, Tracy Forbes, Brian Michael Bendis, Whip Lipsy, Scott Lipsy and Stephen Creosery. I don't. I don't even think I'm pronouncing that right. But I, you know, I give it my best shot. I, I was you a made little bit. Half of those up. Whip Lipsy is not a real name. That's that's the that's the that's, <laughs> that's the, Wild Whip's real identity. I was about to say that's Wild Whip's alter ego. Uh, as for our cast, we've got uh, kind of a, a stacked cast. There's a lot of big names here which I didn't really expect going in. I mean, I knew a couple of them. We've got mm. uh, Neil Patrick Harris as Peter Parker slash Spider-Man. Uh, Lisa Loeb, uh, the musician, as Mary Jane Watson. Uh, Ian Ziering as Harry Osborne. Angel Brooks as Indra Indy Diamanchi. Uh, Keith Carradine as our man, J. Jonah Jameson. <laughs> Rob Zombie as Dr. Kurt Connors slash the lizard. Fuck yeah. Uh, let's fucking go. Uh, Eve as uh, Cheyenne slash Talon. Michael Which Clark. I can just say real quick worst fucking performance on the show. Absolutely hands down the worst. I wouldn't go that far. She's all I, right. I, I, I don't even know what to say. <laughs> uh, I, I give her a pass. I like that episode. 
Uh, Michael Clark Duncan as Wilson Fisk slash the Kingpin. Uh, Jeffrey Combs, our man Jeffrey Combs as Dr. Zellner. And who would have thunk Ed Asner, the guy who would go on to play Uncle Ben in The Spectacular Spider-Man as uh, the cop whose name I can't remember. Yeah, just the officer. The one cop that has a speaking role. And Clancy Brown and Cree Summer as literally everybody else. Clancy Brown, Cree Summer, uh, fucking Virginia Madsen is in this show. Let me go. I swear to God, there's an episode where like there's three goons in succession that are doing something, and all three of them are just Clancy Brown doing the same voice, even though they're visibly different. Clancy Brown. Oh, fuck it. Obviously, Stan Lee is there. Uh, Kathy Griffin, like. Yeah, yeah. Kathy, that Kathy, Kathy Griffin is there. Uh, Keith David, of course. Gina Gershon, uh, Tara Strong, Devin Sawa, all over the fucking place. There's, it's kind of like a who's who of like spectacular. It's kind of a who's who of early two thousands voice cast. Distinctly no Toby. Distinctly no Kirsten. Distinctly no Franco. And you know what? Honestly, thank God. Of course. If you've played the the Raimi Spider-Man games, uh, you know that Tobey Maguire is not a great voice actor. I gotta deliver these pizzas. pizzas. Mr. Aziz is gonna kill me. uh, I got late to class, Dr. Connors. (laughs) It's wonderful. It's great. It's something. Uh, Alex, do you have any personal experiences with this program? Leadingly brief ones, yes. Well, maybe even just one. Um, it's really weird to me that I didn't watch this growing up because I, I had cable and spurts. I didn't have like a reliable way to watch TV. Uh, mostly on weekends at my grandma's house, I could. But like, even then, I, I didn't keep up with cable listings enough to know that this show existed. When I was maybe, I had to be seven or eight. So this was when, when it was airing, like well into it. I remember catching the middle of what turned out to be the Sword of Shikata episode. I remember MJ entering a room and seeing a guy's severed head on the ground and running away. And I just remember changing the channel and being like, well, that sucks. And just like never thinking about it again. Uh, I, I I looked into it and found out what it was, you know, pre-watching it for this. But like, I, 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 I caught a brief moment of it enough to remember that eh, I think this kind of sucks and just moved on, uh, which is the entirety of my my personal experience up to the point of watching it for the podcast uh yeah as for my personal experiences i have none i never i was a little too young to be watching mtv at that point uh but you know again it's one of those things that if you're a spider-man fan you've at least heard of it if you haven't seen it um it's it's one of those things that like like if we said earlier nobody talks about It's kind of, I would almost say, the black sheep of the Spider-Man cartoons. Even fucking Spider-Man Unlimited has a pretty uh, small but vocal fan base. You know, you hear people talk about Spider-Man Unlimited. Yeah, even if you don't hear the positives, you hear most people just bring it up to say, oh, the cape sucks. But, like, that's people remember it. People talk about it. Unlimited. And, and, you know, the more recent cartoons, there's not a whole lot of fans for those. Uh, But, you know, they exist. You know, people have heard of them because they're 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 they have Disney money. So they get promoted a lot they get backed uh this it's like it exists it existed between and you know this is sort of the era where the rainy movies are, are getting like this is their their prequel mo- moment where they're getting a lot of of a retrospective praise 
Mm-hmm. Uh, from especially people on the internet, but even during that, this sort of this sort of uh, Raimi fever, nobody is talking about this show. It's like right. it doesn't exist. It, it it is steeped. Well, you know, we'll get into its Raimi associations and connotations, but it, it's for what it's supposed to be. It barely feels like what it is. Um, they make yeah. references to the events of the first movie in passing, just about every episode. But it's, it feels so disconnected from the spirit of the movies that it feels like its own separate thing, by and large. Yeah, this is just, like, incredibly weird. And even with, uh, we're going to get into this later, but even with the, uh, the, the, even if you, like, recombine them into their correct viewing order of the show, uh, there's not a whole lot of overarching narratives here. It's, it's kind of more episodic than I, I really expected it to be. It's mm-hmm, for sure. There's a lot to break down here, but there's for me at least when I watched this show, there there were two different phases. There was the first six episodes, uh, which I would call the good episodes, uh, and then episodes seven through thirteen, which I would call the descent into madness, uh, <laughs> where just the, the the most insane shit starts happening, uh, and. I'm going to again, uh, I don't want I don't want to spoil too much, but I'm going to say this right now. Maybe the most insane ending to a Spider-Man thing I've ever seen. I think I might agree. Uh, spectacular. The pacing is what made it insane. If they let it breathe a little bit more, there's not so much crazy about the idea of Norman exploding and then, you know, funeral and talking and that being the ending. But it's the fucking fact that everything that happens at the end of Spectacular happens in about a minute and a half. Uh, you know, even expand that out to maybe even just three or four minutes. And that would have maybe had like a, wow, you remember the ending is spectacular, but the way we remember it is fucking crazy and fast and rushed. The ending to this, you know, without getting too spoilery yet is, is just, it's so radically fucking dour and, and one note. It's on a two parter, but it feels so fast. Yeah, it's, it's nuts. And the writing just completely. It's not consistent, and I guess I'll talk about specifics of that more when we get to that final episode, but it's just, by the end of the show, it's like, fuck it, whatever, sure. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but, you know, enough talk. We've got to fucking dive into these 13 episodes. So, Alex, Absolutely. do you want to take us through the plot of these? Sure. So, Spider-Man, the new animated series. Uh, this is a, a continuation of Sam Raimi's uh, Spider-Man. Uh, pre-Spider-Man 2, pre-Spider-Man 3, those aren't in the pipeline yet. This is 2003, so it was probably made mostly in 2002. Um, this is some time after Sam Raimi's Spider-Man. Uh, Norman Osborn is dead. Peter and Harry are living in an apartment in college. Uh, I think it's at, at some point in the show, it's the one-year anniversary, so we're probably just a good amount of months away from from the events of the movie at this point. Yeah, something like and that. And every episode starts with a cold open. Uh, and after some time, we break into the theme song, which I I love the theme song. It's it's, it's a it's like fucking dope trance music, like the whole weird ass Euro beat. It, it's, the whole it's, the whole soundtrack for this show kind of rocks. There's like obviously the trance stuff. There's like ambient uh, pieces, especially I think there's one in, in the Kingpin episode that I really, really like. Mm-hmm. Uh I think it's like 12 minutes into that Kingpin episode. That's like a really nice ambient piece. There's like some, you know, little, little vocal bits that I like. The soundtrack for the show is like the, the, the one 
like the the 77 show, the one truly unequivocally great thing about this is I love the soundtrack for the show. Yeah, it's it's a you know, not to be redu- uh, cliche or anything, but it is very it's it's a time capsule of like what they thought was cool on MTV in 2003. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, remarkably so, like the uh, so, uh, very out of left field music for for an MTV Spider-Man. You would think that, you know, Sony, the same people that are responsible for the emails would have had a radically different like MTV Spider-Man take. But I will take the 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 trance Eurobeat dance floor shit we got because I I remember it. I can hear it in my head and it's great. I love it. Better that better that than new metal or mall punk. Press this shit on vinyl and I will buy it, Sony, because I'm an idiot. Um, anyway, uh, this show begins uh, with our cold open, the first episode, Heroes and Villains, at a protest uh, that is breaking out at Empire State University. As it's been announced that Villaroy Towers, a local housing community, is going to be torn down, uh, leaving residents homeless. We cut to Peter Parker, college freshman, who is taking pictures of the event and of MJ because he's a photographer. Uh, MJ, who is know. now a goth girl for some reason. Yeah, her her model is just so weirdly caricatured, and her neck is like pencil thin, and her head the is animation so in this show is really weird. All the character models are bizarre. Harry's blonde, and Norman is blonde in all the photos that we of, that we see of him. And painting. just like it's spectacular, this is sequel to spectacular. Uh, it's it's. It's bizarre. J. Jonah Jameson is just J. Jonah Jameson, uh, as yeah, far as that's concerned. Connor think... looks completely different. All the Flash looks completely different. It's very loose with the interpretations of the characters. I, I think the thing I realized, uh, like halfway through watching, is that all the fight scenes are like you know hand animated by CGI animators, but all the the dialogue scenes, it's all mocap. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's all very obvious. It's very obvious because it's all like obviously you can f- tell it's a, it's based on the animations of real people moving around. Uh, it's just there's no consistency, and it's I, it's like morbidly fascinating. Uh, yeah, it's it's strange. Uh, during the protest and while Peter is doing his photography, a disgruntled janitor brushes past him. Uh, and takes the time to start a little verbal confrontation and give exposition about how the protest sucks, but how he also wants to remain at Villaroy Towers despite being on the side of the protesters. The, the, there's a message in this episode, and it's really muddled, because this guy is such a dick about, <clears throat> oh, this protest sucks, and I'm not getting involved with the protest, and they're idiots for being the way they are, but he wants the exact same thing they do. So, I don't know. <laughs> He's just grumpy. Um, After this exchange, uh, Harry and MJ meet up with Peter and uh, Peter mentions wanting to sell pictures of this protest or and of the new museum exhibit that's being displayed in town later uh, to the bugle. Uh, There's a little ceremony where the the museum is receiving a ruby or some large gemstone where the antagonist of the episode Turbo Jet shows up. Uh, and steals a, a the jet. Villain. He he has he's like a a, a jet man. He's like kind of like the monster from Spider Man. What was his name? Air Bomber, kind of. He's like, like a, a he's man. like a he he's obviously I think based off of Rocket Racer, who's an actual yes, villain in the comics. Uh, but th- that's the thing is that this show has a lot of new villains that yeah, are original. Tons. 
uh, which I like. Of classic comic ones, uh, maybe predominantly new v- villains. I want to say, I, I, yeah, cool. I want to say it's mostly new villains, which mm-hmm. I think it's interesting. I think there's a reason behind that, which we'll talk about in the trivia. But it's I like to see new villains. They did their best with what they had, uh, and what they had was Turbo Jet. He's like a spacesuit guy with a big, fast speed of sound jetpack, and he shows up and takes the jewel and says later, and Turbo Jets away. Uh, in the ensuing chaos and a chase, uh, a truck overturns and almost kills a bunch of civilians before Spider-Man stops it. Um, this is our first time outside of the theme song, like seeing Spider-Man, and uh, I like the suit a lot. It's very Bagley. Uh, if it if it wasn't drawn by Bagley, it's very very uh, Bagley inspired. And Bagley is my favorite Spider-Man artist, so I I gotta say I like the suit a lot. It's like uh, yeah, it's like Bagley meets the original Raimi from two thousand two suit. I should asterisk that and say Bagley draws my favorite suit. Bagley's not my favorite Spider-Man artist. Um. His faces are weird. I don't know. Uh, there's a great little moment after this where uh, civilians pelt Spider-Man with garbage as he's looking for Turbo Jet. He's pulling the old, hey, anybody seen a villain this height, blah, blah, blah. And they just they're sick of his shit and they just start throwing slurpy cups at him and shit. It's great. They're throwing their, this lady's throwing her groceries at him, which is really funny. Uh, the news, as always, is painting Spider-Man as a crook and uh, trying to make him look partially responsible for the uh, Turbo Jet incident. Uh, however, residents uh, have been getting a lot of money to support their cause because Turbo Jet is pulling a reverse, or rather a Robin Hood type thing, and he is uh, he takes the things that he's stealing and he takes the money that he gets from fencing the the goods. And donates it to the defense fund for Villaroy Towers. Uh, the residents begin to kind of see him as a hero, a, a, like a Robin Hood figure. Uh, they're all for him to the point where even MJ is like, yeah, I think he's great, even though he's like a criminal that almost overturned a truck and killed people. Um, Turbo Jet is doing all of this, of course, by committing crimes and refuses to let anyone stop him, not even Spider-Man. Uh, we get another little moment where Harry is still like vocally expositing that he blames Spider-Man for his father's death. I uh, hate Spider-Man. In, uh. Every ep- pretty much every episode he goes, Spider-Man, that murderer. I hate him. He sounds just like uh, Diedrich Bader to me in this show, or maybe like H. John Benjamin. There's like specifically, I don't remember which episode it is, but it's one of the later ones where he is like, there's like some sort of thing that happens or uh, Spider-Man does some kind of thing. And then Harry just goes, murderer. Yeah, like, yeah. And like MJ has to like hold him back. Like Dr. Claw from Inspector Gadget. He's so mad about Spider-Man. It's really yeah, funny. It's, it's really good. Uh, Peter and MJ have a stupid little moment where they're like doing a will they, won't they kiss thing, but they're just adjusting a TV angle. Uh, there's a boardroom meeting where Harry is told by Oscorp suits that he needs to announce, uh, that the science center, uh, that they're going to construct for ESU is going to be on the bulldozed Villaroy Towers property. And they like, you know, do a little devil on his shoulder thing and tell him that it's an opportunity to do good. And, uh, here's a Galileo telescope to have that your father gave us to your father. My dad liked Galileo. Wow, I didn't know he gave a shit. Whoa. And the way this scene goes, these characters 
to me, when I first watched this episode, I watched a few of these episodes a couple times just to to get everything I could down. Yeah. Um, but these characters almost feel like they're gonna come back, and it's like, ooh, Harry's being influenced by the board. What's that? These they never fucking show up again. I think right that they never that's never a thing again where the board is making Harry make a decision. Yeah, just, they never they literally just never show up again. But they're painted to be like sinister, like this is a good thing, Harry. Do this, but nothing ever becomes of that. So they're just fucking weird. I don't know. Most of the plot lines in this show just get dropped. <laughs> right after this, also, this only happens in the pilot episode too. Spider-Man has like an Emperor's New Groove talk to the camera moment. Yeah, where he's like he, does. he, he puts a, everything he a... on pause and he's like, whoa, 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 what's going on? This? Whoa, that's so weird. He's got a vlog, a Spider-Man vlog moments. And he does like a Batman impression. And it's yes. just really it, it's a pilot moment. A lot of this episode is pilot moments where it's like, that's not going to keep happening, is it? Please. That and there's also a scene later on in a, a couple episodes later where like Spider Man is t- chatting with somebody on like AOL Instant Messenger. Yeah, like, yeah. And they know that he's Spider Man. I guess that's like he's on his Spider Man account. Uh, this is it's all NBD, of course. It's it's so it's so <laughs> weird. There's so much shit like this. Even in the yep, the, like these first couple episodes that I think are good, they get picked up and then just dropped for no reason. Yeah, I'm I'm glad they showed the restraint they did with not having anything like that in the MCU. It's so weird. Um, Spider-Man catches Turbojet in the act of stealing some 18th century first edition book that's just like being displayed in a window in New York. And uh, in the ensuing fight and chaos, Turbojet uh, shocks a guard like a rent-a-cop to unconsciousness. Uh, he's then chased to a warehouse full of mannequins where there's a little conversation had between Turbojet and Spider-Man about uh, their public perception, each of them, before Turbojet escapes by attaching his suit to a mannequin and, like, distracting Spider-Man with it while he gets out. Uh, so he's yeah, now... Turbojet's suit looks like something from Tron. Yeah, it looks like like bullshit power armor that looked off-brand that nobody wants. It's like a knockoff Buzz Lightyear suit. Buzz Lightyear. Uh, the the Villaroy Towers Defense Fund is has reached one million dollars thanks to uh, all of TurboJet's donations so far, and everyone is celebrating him during the protest, including MJ. Harry uh, tries to tell his friends, but inadvertently screams it to everybody at the protest that Oscorp is responsible for the upcoming demolition of Villaroy Towers uh, directly. Uh, This results in the trio being chased off of campus by angry protesters. And uh, later, we cut from that to Harry drinking martinis by himself in the apartment, which is a thing that he's always doing. He's he's a super cool 22-year-old alcoholic. Very cool. Epic. Peter goes up to his bedroom and has a little moment where he looks at his family photos. Uh, it's the only look at Aunt May and Uncle Ben that we get in this show. And of course, they're totally off model and they look nothing like Rosemary Harris and, and Cliff Robertson. Uh, Robertson. Just totally, you know, whatever. They're here. Uh, I have some trivia about that later, but we'll get to it. Um, 
Peter then goes and suits up in the only like suiting up and going out moment we get again, you know, pilot moment to more of that sick. It's so fucking great. Those like whining synths. It's oh my God. I want to watch like the Microsoft like visualizer, the MP3. Yes, this is such a Microsoft visualizer move music. It's so it's so right on the money. Um, the disgruntled janitor from Villaroy Towers from the beginning of all of this turns out to be Turbojet. Uh, God. His girlfriend, someone who wants to spend time with him, I don't know, tries to convince him to come join the protest, but he's like, no, I'm busy building things and a totally not uni- totally not Unabomber vibes like in here. Don't come into my work room. He looks I'm like Ulysses from Fallout. Also. He does. He and, looks uh, a lot like Ulysses. There's another Fallout thing right at the very end of the show. Craven the Hunter, uh, who's voiced by the guy who voices Marcus in Fallout 2 in New Vegas. Yeah, good old Dorn. Uh, after, let's see, where are we? Sorry. Turbojet says uh, that he's busy. He's building his suit. He tells the girlfriend to fuck off. I'm busy. Spider-Man sees, you know, flashes of Turbojet blue energy from windows outside very lucky and goes to confront him after he's sold off the money to its fencing partner uh turbojet mentions during this illicit money transfer that he is going to bring a telescope the galileo telescope to fence next which is a pretty hot item that might take some time to move he mentions that he's not in this for you know robin hood goodness but because people are stupid and that he can trick them easily which is just you tricked that's true. Uh, we have one more uh, attempted robbery with the Galileo telescope at the event uh, where everything is going to be, you know, handed off. Harry's there to make a speech. And uh, in the end, after, you know, Spider-Man, tra- <laughs> Spider-Man traps Turbojet, you know, behind a wall of web and says, oh, don't try to break that telescope, idiot. It's a fake. Uh he then uses Turbojet's words against him, going, hey, didn't you call all these people fucking moron idiots? Uh, it, it's what? a really weirdly paced ending. It is. Uh, what, one thing, I, there are a couple things I like here. Earlier when they were having their conversation, like uh, when they were doing like the, the cash deal, there was like the scene where they were like like both in sh- like heavy shadow. And I actually really liked the way it looked. It's one of the few times the animation in this show uh, kind of impressed me. Uh, and the other and the other thing is uh, like when Harry's giving his uh, speech at the the science center that they're building, uh, somebody just yells, you suck, Osborne. And it's really fucking funny. Yeah, for sure. And not uh, only that, when uh, Turbo Jet gets like his words thrown back at him, he's like, ah, and he throws the Galileo telescope. Yeah. And it's somebody in the face that she goes flying back. Yeah, it's really weird, the the physics of it. But yeah, I, I have it there in my synopsis that he just chucks the telescope and it downs a, a protester uh, after he's been outed as an asshole. He's like, no, he doesn't even try to defend himself. He just leans into it, goes, yeah, you know, fuck you. Uh, and in the end, um, he he briefly kidnaps MJ because, you know, MJ has to get kidnapped by villains. Of course. And uh, after a chase sequence on the rain movies, after all, MJ's got to be in peril. Of course, Uh, after a little slingshot maneuver to incapacitate and take down uh, Turbojet for the count, which, again, the animation is so jarringly bad when he like punches him and his divisor explodes into little triangles. Um, 
MJ tells Spider-Man that, uh, you know, they've had their little moments and such, but there's someone else. And uh, Spider-Man accepts this and takes off from the crime scene. And uh, at the end of the episode, the news is talking about how the telescope has been auctioned for a relocation fund. And even though Villaroy Towers is being bulldozed in the end to make room for the Science Center, uh, these people will be rehomed with this fund. So Harry did a good thing. Uh, Peter cracks wise about action speaking louder than words. And MJ kisses him. And we get a little web slinging and wraps up the pilot episode. Quick, easy done. There you go. Uh, Turbo Jet. Turbo Jet. Goddamn. Episode two. The second episode is called Royal Scam, and uh, the plot moves a lot that's a gr- quicker. That's a great Steely Dan album, by the way. <laughs> uh, the plot moves a lot quicker in this one. Uh, essentially, uh, Peter is hurting for cash. Uh, he's attempting to figure out his monthly expenses. Uh, at the beginning, there's a great little communism capitalism mix up. Yeah, I was, about, I was about to say Harry. Harry straight up quotes Marx. <laughs> yeah, I, I did remember exactly who that was, but I recognize it as like that's that's communist diatribe, right? And Harry's like, that's communism. <laughs> After some time, uh, there's a little helicopter incident outside that culminates in the government, quote unquote, uh, asking for some assistance on a case. Spider-Man is, you know, propositioned to do his patriotic duty by the government. Uh, But by and large, uh, through some deception and deviousness, it turns out this is actually the Kingpin uh, who is trying to trick Spider-Man into stealing the TX-1 super chip to, I have it here, decrypt confidential satellite transmissions that drive the world's financial markets. Uh, it's it's this, the it's the grand return of of Fed Spider Man from uh, Toei Spider Man. He's working course, with the Feds yeah. once again. Not quite Interpol, uh, the fake FBI, CIA, whatever. Uh, no, of totally course, real. this this kingpin is of course uh, Michael Clark Duncan. Uh, Rest in peace, the, King. The the daredevil kingpin of, of Ben Affleck, your fame. They actually do make a couple of Marvel references in this show. They talk about the X-Men and Stark Industries. Yeah, yeah, it, it's 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 kind of nutty uh, how much leeway they had kind of with, you know, in the same vein as Raimi name dropping uh, Doctor Strange and Spider-Man 2. Uh, just having fun with it. Rights be damned. I'm fun. They make a, the pop culture references are a little all over the oh, place. Oh, they get they get they MTV get way in 2003. Worse. They get way worse in the second half. It it starts to Absolutely get to the point they do. where where Spider Man is making like Gex jokes. Oh god, yeah. You know what? I I that I got that vibe. I should have written that down. That's really good. I, there's one specific one that I'll talk about when we get to it. That is straight up a Gex joke. Um, <laughs> disguised as federal agents, uh, Kingpin's henchmen convince Spider Man that he should steal the chip from the mob and return it to them the fbi the good guys uh in exchange for doing his country the service he's promised that his back will be scratched as well and that the bureau will let it be known that spider-man helped them out which is an endorsement that spider-man greatly needs because his public image is lower than ever at this point uh people really the the spider-man hatred from the public is kind of jarring in the show i think Given oh, yeah. so much of the the end of Spider Man One being like you mess with Spider Man, you mess with all of us. What the fuck? The but I guess he, is intense in this show. I guess after that he is kind of implicated in Norman's death just because Harry keeps saying it. 
I, which begs the question, like, how many people fucking believe Harry, you know? Uh, also, do they remember that Harry, uh, that Norman Osborn was the fucking Green Goblin? <laughs> that just doesn't matter. Don't worry about that. I don't think they ever mention it in uh, in the Raimi movies. Like that, nobody ever, like the yeah, general um, public, doesn't know that Norman is the Green Goblin. They just never put it together that the Green Goblin attack stopped on the exact night that Norman Osborn was murdered by Spider Man. But whatever. Because yeah, who, who was fighting the Green Goblin? It, it's a big secret that uh, when Harry, you know, like stumbles into the goblin cave and there's all the goblin shit. And he's like, oh, God, my dad was the goblin. He looks into the camera and says that you remember. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, uh, Spider-Man's public image is hurting badly uh, in the show, and it, get, it does not get better towards the end. No. Um, of course, this uh, patriotism is taking its toll on Peter's social commitments. Uh, MJ has a three night acting showcase that Peter has promised to attend and he misses the first night when Spider-Man, of course, learns he was tricked into stealing the chip and must track down Kingpin. Uh, On the second night, Peter is temporarily abducted by real FBI agents, including goddammit, Keith David, uh, who is just fan fucking tastic. I love hearing him in Spider-Man stuff. Love to see Keith David. Absolutely. Uh, John Carpenter's favorite. Uh, The third night culminates with a climactic action sequence where Spider-Man outmaneuvers Kingpin and takes him down solo out of a helicopter. Uh, It's it's weird. And it's you know, they don't really they make a lot of fat jokes. They don't really like portray the physicality of uh, Kingpin the way a lot of other takes on the character have. It's really just a bevy of fat jokes. Um, he has a he has a cane that uh, spits out like un- electricity and also like knockout gas when it's convenient. Um, but yeah, he he takes a helicopter to try to get away, and Spider Man crashes it. Uh, he needs to get the chip back so he can return it to the actual FBI. Uh, it, at the end of all of this, Kingpin is subdued in like part of a broken off construction crane, like the you know the triangular. portion of it snaps off and falls and acts as like a prison uh even though for a second it's like a fake out where we think he's gonna get killed or something yeah but uh after all of this when everything is said and done peter makes it to the third night of mj's show uh and they have a little meet cute moment outside but peter is of course let down when he has to watch her walk away being held by her co-star uh you know spider-man can't have what he wants boohoo ending the episode what, a couple things before we move on to the next episode. Uh, the fucking number one, Peter has a Sony phone. He has a Sony Ericsson. I did not catch that. He has a Sony phone. Uh, number two, uh, I like that it's a kind of a little thing, but I like that they use actual guns instead of like the lasers that they had in Spectacular. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. It's very they also They have this one like double barrel shotgun model that is use so funny. Everywhere. It's like every a, Elmer Fudd gun. It straight up looks like an Elmer Fudd. It doesn't look like a real sawed-off shotgun. Like, why would a cop be using a sawed-off shotgun? Uh, it's very funny looking. And then also at the very end, uh, when MJ walks away to be with her boyfriend, uh, she like has this huge, gigantic cartoon tear that just made me laugh every time. Yeah, and the lizard has the same thing in the in the next episode at the it's very so end. Uh, it's 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 something. So uh, we are on to our third episode, Law of the Jungle. Hi for uh, Rob Zombie. 
yeah, here we are. Robert Zombert himself. Uh, Peter is earning much needed cash by working at the lab for his professor, Dr. Connors, who was he introduced in Raimi one or did we not see no. him till Raimi two? That's the first he, time we he, saw him. he he vo- he vocally mentions him when they're talking that's about it. like yeah. a job yeah. like he got fired. That's what it is. I, that's what it is. Uh, so, yeah, this would be in that regard. The first take on the Raimi Doc Connors. I guess before we see what's his name that plays him in Spider-Man two. Yep. Uh, but this is the aforementioned in the film, Dr. Connors, a uh, world-class scientist, as always, he's studying reptilian DNA for its regenerative powers, regenerative powers. Jesus. Uh, this is extremely important to Dr. Connors because I don't know if you know this, but he lost his arm. Uh, he's a one armed man with a oh cool, my God, like, I can't believe it. With a cool like Deus Ex robot hand that looks cool, uh, but specifically this Doctor Connors uh, lost his arm in an, an industrial accident at Oscorp years before. Uh, we eventually learned we're, we're researching something called the wafer, which is like a very thin, very small bomb. The wafer. I don't remember what it stands for, but it's some like lightweight, small detonation device. I'm going to be honest, like I straight up like forgot good chunks of this episode. Like, I don't remember what happens to the lizard at the end of this episode. Oh, uh, yeah. This is like the second shortest synopsis I have this episode. It, it flies by. Um, meanwhile, as the one year anniversary of Norman Osborne's death approaches, Harry Osborn is reluctantly asking Peter and MJ to help him sort through his father's personal effects now that the will and estate have all been settled. Uh, back at the lab, Dr. Connors, of course, does the Dr. Connors thing and secretively injects himself with reptile DNA that not only stimulates his arm stump to grow again, but has the undesired effect of slowly changing him into the angry, vengeful lizard. Uh, Rob Zombie does a pretty, pretty good voice in this. I, I, you know, some of it's probably modulated with like, uh, lizard effects, but it's, uh, I'm not the biggest Rob Zombie listener, White Zombie, or solo stuff in the world, but I I think it's fine. I I've seen some of his stuff. I I like his music enough. It's interesting to have him in something like this. It's probably the best character he could have played. I'm not interested in like a Rob Zombie Green Goblin per se. Yeah, I mean he's got he's got a sort of low gravelly voice, and it, it works, but it also plays into the idea that this this version of uh. As a, as opposed to something like we saw in Spider Man Blue or Spectacular, where Norman not Norman, uh, where uh, Dr. Connors was given a lot of dignity. Uh, here he's yeah. just like really bitter. Yeah, uh, honestly, uh, if it wasn't Rob Zombie, Jeffrey Combs should have been the one in this role with the you know scientist vibe. Yeah, but you know it is what it is. And the same, uh, the same for the other evil scientist episode. Exactly. On the street, uh, Dr. Connors is accosted uh, by an armored truck thief in the middle of doing his thing with his big Elmer Fudd gun. Uh, but in the ensuing chaos after the fact, uh, Spider-Man catches the the bad guy in a, in a chase sequence. Uh, at the end of it all, Dr. Connors sticks up for Spider-Man to the cops and says, no, he wasn't helping. He was he was preventing the robbery. Um so in our end sequence, uh, he makes his way to Oscorp to go kill him. Uh, Spider-Man, of course, you know, doesn't really want this to happen. So uh, he shows up and eventually there's like a team up between Harry and Spider-Man where Harry's wielding an axe and they're both trying to fight off and fend off the lizard. And 
all of this culminates at the end with a helicopter chase sequence where Spider-Man is dangling from the helicopter, but is also carrying the lizard on a web below and trying to talk him like he's been talking to him this whole time. And it's very clear that there's very little, if any, humanity left in Kurt. But in this final time when he's talking to him, Kurt just slashes out at the web and falls to his death and dies on the pavement. Like, it's very, like, jarring and weird. Uh, so that's, again, what, that's another, what happens to him. Another weirdly paced episode. He just like he's like, hey, it's going to be OK. We're going to take you somewhere and fix you, Kurt. And he just slashes the web and falls and dies. And he's he's on the ground and the same cartoon tear falls out of his eye and he dies. Harry asks MJ and Peter to go get a pizza in the aftermath of the everything. Harry's going to stay behind. He wants the other two to go get the pizza. And in the really awful, like, it's like they're in front of a, a, a .png file of, like, neon lights. It's not a 3D environment. They're just in front of a still image. It's stylized. It, 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 I like it's, the way it looks. I guess, yeah. It's in the opening sequence. They use a shot a lot. MJ yeah. just talks a lot about how she's noticed how much Harry's being been taken care of by Peter lately and uh, plants a big kiss on him, ending the episode. Big old kiss. Three uh, episodes in. So for me, uh, like I said, uh, the, the Rob Zombie as Dr. Connors is really fucking funny to me. Uh, there is a, a like there's a, when they when Dr. Carter's first runs into that robber that's trying to rob the, the armored truck. He looks like a fucking uh, NPC from cyberpunk. It's really funny. Yeah, he really does. Uh, I think this is the first time we see straight up blood where uh, when the robber gets like mauled by the lizard, it's like, whoa, OK. Not the last time either. Not the last time uh, there's. A, oh, my God. I don't know. We didn't talk about this scene uh, or did we? Uh, there's the, the scene where Peter goes to talk to Dr. Connors and he's like, ah, I was fucked up by Oscorp and he turns yeah, no, and, I didn't he's got a lizard head. Oh my God. It's so funny. Lizard <laughs> head. But I also like that he has this like bipedal lizard form, but that he takes more serum and he turns into like a monster lizard, which I actually like the way that looks. Yeah. Uh, I like it over like the amazing Spider-Man take on it. Yeah. And that uh, that fight scene that they have at the end with where we're in uh, the Oscorp building with Harry, uh, that's a really good fight scene, too. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, overall, I, I like this episode. Yeah, uh, I, I can't say I disliked it too much. Uh, it's one of the more. I'd say this is one of the more relatively grounded episodes. It's it's a really straightforward. The lizard story, just another another version of it, just with a, a Connors. That's not quite, you know, what we're used to, which I guess is the biggest draw of it. But it ends very abruptly, I think. But with that said, we're on to our fourth episode, Sword of Shikata, uh, which uh, revolves. What's up? Sword of Shikata, which might be either this or the next episode. Uh, they might be my favorite episodes. Uh, really? I, I, I've for some reason, like this, this episode in particular was like, let's go another new villain. Uh, just a lot of weird, crazy shit that I didn't expect, and I had a lot of fun with it. Yeah, this is the one I would have seen uh, clips of when I first like saw it on TV ages exactly. ago and, and was like, nope, not interested. Uh, but the, the plot of this episode centrally revolves around a wealthy businessman and avid collector of items, luxury goods, named Richard Damien who hires uh, a female warrior assassin ninja lady named Shikata 
uh, a swordswoman to capture Spider-Man for his collection of rare animals. Uh, he's just going to keep Spider-Man in a cage. He's like, he's, uh, he's, just, he's, he's a more monster than man. I'm going to keep him in a cage. I'm going to get seven costumes made and give him a clean one every day to wear. I don't know. Give him a bowl of spider kibble. I kind of fucking love this guy, this like evil movie tycoon villain where he's just rich yeah, and he I, wants Spider-Man to keep in a cage. He's like he has a couple funny lines, too. He's like a fun character. Yeah, he's he's more than just like the 80s businessman from Futurama or something. He's 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 got a bit of a he's got a charisma to him, a, a unique charisma. It's yeah. fun. It's a it's a good villain for, for this universe. Uh, Shikata feels kind of one dimensional, I guess. But uh, I, love, I fucking love Shikata. Uh, honor ninja sword. Which, Very straightforward it, concept. She's she's obviously sort of. Before, you know, Craven actually shows up in the very last two episodes of the show, I thought she was going to be this show's version of Craven. Sure. Uh, but, like, when she does her stupid shit where she deflects the bullets with her sword, and, like, she has, like, wizard powers for some reason, like, she could shoot yep. green energy at people, like, fuck yeah, let's go. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, what all ninjas can do that, it's a thing. I love, um, to, see, I love to see stupid new villains. Very shortly after this, uh, Shikata and Spider-Man have their first head-to-head fight. And uh, Shikata, at the, you know, after being back and forth, they best each other a few times. Uh, Shikata decides that Spider-Man is too noble a foe to simply capture. And uh, for to honor her own personal code of honor, they must fight to the death. She has to die at his hands or he has to die at her hands. So Shikata returns to Richard Damien to inform him that she needs to uh, renege on their deal, that they no longer have one, and that instead she plans to lure Spider-Man into the fight of his life. Uh, Richard is, of course, super pissed about this and uh, comes up with an alternative strategy to send his thugs to kill Shikata. Uh, Unfortunately, it is the goons who find themselves the victims of Shikata instead. Afterwards, Shikata hunts down Spider-Man and informs him that they have to fight until one of them is dead, which she says probably, I don't know, eight to ten times in this episode. It's it's kind of her thing. Yeah. Um, they get into an all-out brawl in the streets, uh, a lot of sword swinging. He gets cut up a lot. Um, you know, a lo- it's a really prolonged fight sequence here at the end. Uh, things look grim for Spider-Man until, uh, MJ arrives on the scene with a little bit of, like, MacGuffin save the day advice, and is like, it's her sword, Spider-Man! You have to attack her sword! Uh, so, of course, that's what happens. Uh, Spider-Man vanquishes Shikata without compromising his own, like, I'm not gonna, like, murder this woman in the streets type thing. I'm gonna use wizard magic to loophole kill her. He vanquishes her because he breaks her sword and the sword contains like all of her power because MJ saw earlier that she was like an old woman until she used magic to make herself turn younger. She sunbathes with her sword and it makes her young and not look like Iron Maiden anymore. Uh, So Spider-Man plunges the sword to the ground then breaks it and then she gets gets vaporized by her own magic. It's fucking incredible. And the ghost energy. Yeah, exactly. And uh, that's that's essentially the end of the episode. We we get a little bit of Spider-Man dialogue at the end, but it's just another clear cut. All right, villain of the week. Clap our hands of it. We're done. Hope you liked Sword of Shikata. Bow wow. I, 
I really like this. Be- I really like this episode in particular because you know I, I, I like it when they do new villains, as I've said before. But just the fact that she does the stupid deflect the bullet shit and then decapitates a guy, like this is yeah. the moment that I realized that the show was going to be a lot darker than I expected it to be. And I was like, ooh. But then obviously she... this is before this is before the madness set in, and uh, the things that I wanted from a slightly darker Spider-Man show uh, did not happen. She cuts a finger off a dude at one point. She decapitates yeah. Richard Damien. It is, uh, you know, they're they're dipping the toes in the water of how dark they're allowed to get here. And um, I don't know. I Maybe if I came into this with a slightly more mature mindset, I would have been like, fuck, yeah, let's go when I first saw this episode. But I think it was mostly the animation style even that turned me off, which I, I, I don't know how Fair I feel enough. about it still. But uh, we'll we'll get more into this later, I suppose. But like, I think specifically, I think this is the exact kind of Spider-Man they could pull back in the Spider-Verse movie sequel. Uh, sure, that'd be fun. Someone's got the render sitting around somewhere of the, of the model. It's probably like eight polygons compared to how many they've got in the, the Spider-Verse movies. But there is one more thing that I had to say, which was uh, we're only four episodes in, but uh, and we, you know, we haven't really talked about her all that much, but I actually still kind of like this version of Mary Jane more than the one in Spider-Man 2. Yeah, she she even though there is still some wishy washiness to the nature of what Peter and MJ's yep. relationship is in this show, it's not nearly in like the mind fucking mind fuck mind games that they play with each other throughout all of Spider-Man 2, where straight people just be straight. It's not like kiss me. Oh, wait, sorry. I have a boyfriend. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, no, no, I'm going to marry a, a beautiful astronaut if you don't love me right now, Peter Parker, Peter man, it, it, spider boy. It, 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 Instead, we get polyamorous King Peter Parker. Fucking double dipper himself. Which is a thing that straight up almost happens uh, in episode, I think, 11 or 12. Yeah, until they like forcibly shut it down. (laughs) They They were just letting it happen. There was a television show where we had polyamorous King Peter Parker. It was happening. The glory days. I I said recently to... I recently said to somebody, I don't remember who it was. I was like with with everybody. I think it was in reference to this this whole like panic over the new Superman being bisexual canonically. I said, how is Marvel not printing money by having Peter Parker use the word triad or polyamory in an issue of whatever run they're in now? That is like free uh, liberal points right there. That's free money. Fucking just print it. The prints itself. Yeah. Score your identity politics points. Get them in there. <laughs> Just have him say the word one time and watch your sales triple, Marvel. Also, hire new writers. Yeah, please. Uh, Yeah, all right. (laughs) On to what we got, episode five now? Episode five, Keeping Secrets. Um, In this episode, Spider-Man catches Talon, voiced by Eve. Talon! uh, (laughs) uh, A female thief who is not Black Cat, who is responsible for a series of high-risk robberies in the city, uh, a haircut than Black Cat. In the act of robbing a high-rise apartment. Kind of like Black Cat, but not really. Um, as I mentioned, I, I want to say I think this is the worst voice performance on the show. I'm not really familiar with Eve I, as, as an artist or, or whatever it is she does. Yeah, so if you don't, I'm, I'm if you don't know, completely... Eve, is a, Eve is a rapper from the early, uh, mid-2000s. Uh, and, you know, knowing that in context, I think it's, you know, f- a fine performance. Uh, I just, this, this episode has a lot of like good character stuff that I enjoy the specifically oh, sure, the Peter, yeah. the Peter MJ Harry dynamic. Uh, yeah. I really like, I really, I really, really like the way that they do it in this specific episode. 
Uh, and there's there there's fun there's fun moments of Spider-Man knows there's a villain, but uh, the villain is in his personal life. But the villain doesn't know that he's Spider-Man and blah blah blah. That this this stuff is stuff that I really like in Spider-Man stories. So I I really enjoy this episode. Yeah, for sure. Um, so she's in the act of uh, robbing a high-rise apartment. Um, at this point, they they you know do their little oh hey don't rob this place and they fight. And Talon actually gets the best of Spider-Man and escapes, uh, which is not the first time, which is not the last time, I should say. Uh, it happens quite a bit in this episode. Um, Spider-Man, uh, at a point, does see her face without her, her weird cyberpunk goggles that she wears, so he gets a good look at her secret identity, but just doesn't have a name for the face. Uh, meanwhile, Harry, best friend and roommate of Peter Parker... Uh, has been uncharacteristically keeping to himself for the past few weeks, which has Peter and MJ concerned. But that concern turns to excitement when Harry reveals that he's been seeing someone that he really likes, which is rare for Harry, who is uh, characterized as like a womanizer and a one-night stand kind of rich dude, not really a feelings guy. Uh, it's caught MJ and Peter very off guard, and Harry wants to introduce his new girlfriend to Peter and MJ over dinner. Harry's new girlfriend, Cheyenne Tate, arrives, and Peter recognizes her, unfortunately, to be Talon. Uh, there is specifically when he, when he opens the door to their apartment, uh, and she like sees that it's it's Talon. He he makes like the dopiest face of all time. It's so funny. Like I, it's, I, all, it's it's almost on par with the face that Eddie makes in that one episode of Spectacular. I said I sent the picture to to Alex when we were talking about the yeah. show before we started recording. Uh, it's it's a great face. It reminded me of fucking well, Alex. What did you say? It was like facade. The game facade. You ever played that? All the animation was like facade. The cell shaded, just like shadow nature of it. It looks a lot like facade. Like Trip is about to grab Peter by the collar and say, "Peter, you need to leave." Peter says melons and then gets kicked out immediately. <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, Peter fears that Cheyenne is ultimately going to hurt his friend Harry. Uh, so as Spider-Man, during the next encounter that they have together during a robbery or what have you, I don't remember what the context is. They just meet up again. Um, he tries to convince her to change her ways and like abandon this and try to be more civilian. This isn't a thing she needs to be doing doing uh but in, in their ultimate confrontation uh talon spider-man and the police are all you know mixed up together in this and uh talon is freaked out when spider-man calls her by her real name during the melee and she panics and disappears into the night uh later uh, cheyenne calls a perplexed harry to tell him that she's leaving town maybe for good and she can't explain why and the episode just kind of wraps up from here with uh, Peter and Harry, you know, talking about the unfair nature of things like this and uh, more Peter exposition and monologue before, you know, cutting out. Yeah, but this is it, this is the episode really character episode. Yeah, this is a really good character episode. Uh, this is the episode where Spider-Man is in the AOL chat room with this random person that we never see again. Uh, yeah, it's another thread they just drop. Exactly. We also get uh, there's a really great line earlier where uh, Spider-Man is trying to argue with uh, Talon, trying to get her to stop robbing people. Uh, and she's like this. 
you think you're going to get me with this Oprah moment? You think that's going to make me stop? Like that, for some reason, the phrase Oprah moment was really funny to me. Yeah, that's, uh, that's real Oprah hours. There's also like a like a suit up montage that Cheyenne has uh, where there's like a blueprint in the background. She's like suiting up to go uh, rob shit as talent. And I, the music in that is really great. Uh, uh, but yeah, I mean, the way that this episode, a lot of the episodes just kind of end uh, yeah, but Cheyenne just kind of disappearing is a real disappointing ending. I, I wanted I wanted to know more about her. I wanted to, to see more. Yeah, she was an interesting concept. She did have a little bit more character outside of just being a black cat stand in. Um, but I wish I wish I felt better about her voice performance. It, it's very clearly somebody that like isn't used to voice acting who is suddenly doing voice acting. And a lot of it just reads yeah. as like a lot of it comes off as maybe the first time she saw the lines. Yeah, that's absolutely uh, I, true. I, I don't know. It, it just marred it a little bit for me. It, it took me out of it. I was I was so immersed. I was so engrossed in this. I really felt like I was Spider-Man. Exactly. It makes you feel like Spider-Man. Uh, but, but now it's time for episode six, which is what I would consider the last good episode. Yeah, uh, maybe. <laughs> uh, the, tight the, squeeze. The, 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 la- the last episode that I enjoyed without being like, th- it's the last episode I watched without saying, what the fuck is this show at least once? Sure, I'll get I'll I'll grant you that. Yeah. Episode six, tight squeeze uh, begins with a boardroom meeting that uh, is interrupted by Herodax, a trio of former KGB agents led by a man named Sergei, uh, who blast through an outside window to gain entry to the building. They look like G.I. Uh, Joe villains. They, they're, trying yeah. to look for hype, they're trying to look for hyper diamonds to use for X-ray lasers. <laughs> Teradex is a uh, it's a well outfitted organization and they use like sonic blasters and uh, they have this body armor that they're encased in. That's just, you know, very just Googled sci fi body armor. And that's what they're wearing. Uh it's just very dollar store very we're we're teradax take us seriously please um additionally they've got jetpacks uh very hovery jetpacks not quite turbo jets but you know it's just a thing people build a lot in this universe um during this over at empire state university uh it's a relatively harmless afternoon where our main trio of characters are taking turns uh participating in voyeurism with a pair of harry's binoculars just being super weird about it in public too a lot of weird uh, sexual shit in this show yeah like a like an alarming amount but you know it's mtv got to got to score horny points that's what the kids want exactly uh, horny points well, and decapitation points yeah i mean it's spider-man that's what he's famous for uh, when it's his turn, Peter uses the horny binoculars to spot Teradex, uh, invading the meeting and then makes up some bullshit that allows him to hurry off and go to the rescue of Spider-Man. Teradex are moments away from detonating the safe in the room in order to steal its contents. Prototype Hyper Diamonds. When Spider-Man shows up. The prototype Hyper Diamonds, dude, I need them. It's Zales and Jared's brand new project. It's the prototype hyper diamond to show her how much you, you really you my care fucking hyper diamonds. Um, Spider-Man makes quick work of the Teradax thugs. And uh, then as Peter, he's off to the news channel Empire One 
to sell a Spider-Man news video as uh, Jameson is not interested in buying his video and is lowballing him for his photos. Uh, at the station at Empire One, we and Peter are both introduced to a new character and uh, eventual new love interest in Daira, or just Indy, Daimonji, uh, a beautiful television intern with a quirky personality. That's I didn't quirky. write that. Quirky uh, who aids him in getting his footage aired. Uh, unfortunately, it also lands both of them eventually as one of the many hostages that Teradax uh, takes when they commandeer the newsroom. Teradax makes a very simple demand. They want Spider-Man, or they're going to start executing hostages. Uh, as soon as uh, the moment... What's up? Do you want to just talk about uh, Indy real quick? Yeah, uh, I'll take a brief second to talk about her. Um, Indy... I don't like a lot as a character. Uh, I feel mean saying that because like she she's very clearly like, OK, Spider-Man has had so many different girlfriends. Let's try to make someone new that stands out. Let's try to make someone like hip. And that's, I think, yeah. where the thread gets lost is that they've they veered hard into like. It's it's one thing that, like the idea of okay, give Spider Man a weird alt girl girlfriend, but she's like, I I have no way to describe it. She's she's obnoxious in the way that she tries to be like hip. I don't necessarily, I, I, I don't necessarily think they were trying to go for hip. Uh, I like the I I, I immediately I was like, oh, it's a new girl. I've never seen this before. I I like when they create new love interests for Spider Man. Yeah, by uh, all means, uh, and. Um, you know, you know, I also sometimes I also thought that she was kind of annoying, but it, it, I gotta say, eventually she ended up kind of growing on me. I like, I liked, I liked Indy as a character, and what they end up doing to her at the end of the show is kind of fucked up. Yeah, uh, it, and it, I, 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 I wish I, I, you know, somebody out there at Marvel put her in something, get her in there. Yeah, I no, think, I, I, think I, every, every character has the opportunity to be good if you give them the right opportunity. Uh, I literally but, was, you know, get, put more put indie Diamondi in more stuff. When I was talking with with my partner Nicola about uh, the ending of this and and how it ends and how I was like, no, this is exactly the kind of weird perfect bullshit they could like pull out for the Spider Verse sequel. I had mentioned like you know they could even like do some like thing they did where they when all the other Spider people went back to their universes in the first Spider Verse, like you know, touch upon what happened with Indy, give that an ending. Don't. For the love of God, don't give us another season of this. Just give it an ending in like Spider Verse or something, you know, like cap it off. Um, uh, yeah. But with all that said, uh, Teradax has the hostages. Uh, they need Spider Man to show up, or they're gonna start, you know, popping some caps, as it were. Uh, as soon as the moment presents itself, Peter does eventually escape to the shadows to reemerge as Spider Man. Uh, once the fighting ensues, uh, Peter realizes he's in a trap and after everyone's evacuated, uh, he's located the five, I think it's five bombs that are scattered throughout the station. The last yeah. one, uh, being detected Which, with spider sense. Yeah. Fucking earlier, uh, Spider-Man steals, uh, one of the communicators and one of the Teradax guys is like my communicator. Yeah. It's all the accents so, are great. It's so hammy. Uh, and oh shit yeah there's another note i had uh earlier 
uh, Peter makes an, uh, like a, a mix, a burned CD mixtape for Indy. Yeah. Uh, and Harry just keeps talking about a custom CD. Hmm. That's, a custom that's what they call CD. those, huh? A custom uh, CD. But yeah, this whole bomb diffusal thing feels like a, a level in a Spider-Man video game. And it looks like a Spider-Man video game, too. Yeah, it's, even he just like he sees two of them on opposing pillars and webs them together. It's just missing like a big QTE queue, you know? Yeah. Uh, the diamonds are retrieved and uh, Spider-Man takes down the uh, remaining bad guy that's been left behind, Alexi. Just, you know, get fucked if your name's Alexi or Sergey and you want to fight Spider-Man. There, there's one uh, thing I haven't mentioned it before, but I, I actually kind of love the way that New York looks in this show. Like, it reminds me a lot of, like, Batman Beyond. It's, like, almost yeah, like a the, cyberpunk kind of dark, lit, neon kind of uh, cityscape. And I, I really like the way that it looks. It obviously, it doesn't look anything like the New York that's in the Raimi movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I, th- I think it there's, a, like, a, ch- a charm to it. For sure. No, there's a lot of interesting color choices that are made. Um, Spider-Man defeats eventually <clears throat> all of Teradex, and uh, there's a high-flying fight with Sergei at the end that it culminates in. Uh, once everything is said and done, Peter rejoins everyone uh, after the commotion, and Indy makes a... During everything, Indy had made an allusion to the fact that she was attracted to Peter, and uh, now that everything is said and done and the embarrassment has faded, Indy feels the confidence to fully confess her feelings and kisses Peter. Just as... Just as MJ is racing towards them, intending to make her feelings clear to Peter in classic Spider-Man timing. Yeah, if if anything, the 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 overarching story beat that they try to come up with is that the the love triangle between Peter and Indy and MJ. But the problem is that there's not really any connective tissue between the episodes. Uh, I guess maybe I would say maybe that comes from them airing it in the wrong order, but they didn't make them in the wrong order. So the the, the episodes don't really feel connected together as much as I would like them to. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes MJ will completely flip flop on how she feels about Peter. And it's it's really weird. Uh, yeah, and you, you reach either- a point where it doesn't matter how she felt about him at the end of a given episode because she'll feel completely the opposite way at the beginning of the next one. It's not like spectacular where, you know, there's overarching storylines about who's dating who. And, you you know, obviously one of the clear things you need to establish in a, a storyline like that is who is dating who. Yeah. Uh, and they don't actually establish it. Like they got the end of the first episode, Peter and MJ like kiss and it's like, okay, they're together now. But then the next episode, they're not. And it's like, uh, yeah. When the whole culminating like factor at the end of the first movie was no, we can't be together. No, we just, we can't. And then the first episode ends that way. And then they're kissing again in the third one. It's just, it's so fucking all over the place. It's, it's weird. Very inconsistent. In how but anyway, but anyway, we're, we're, now we're going into the back half, essentially. Episode seven, uh, which is where I would say the madness sets in. Yeah, this is probably the I would I would say this is probably the goofiest episode premise wise. Yeah, most, this this episode, there. this episode is the one where I was like, what the fuck is this show? And then the episode right after that, I was like, what the fuck is this show? Uh, hot take that eighth episode, the party. That's probably my favorite episode. You know, that's fair enough, but it's just such a left turn tone wise. Oh, that, for sure. Uh, I, I really didn't expect it coming. But this, I would say this is like the, the craziest episode of the entire show, other than like the yeah. finale. 
Our seventh episode, Head Over Heels, uh, finds Peter Parker juggling his academics, his floundering social life, and his heroic rescuing career uh, all one after the next. What Peter can't save is his unfortunate pairing with Christina, uh, a new lab partner character that is introduced to us in this episode. I, I gotta uh, say, uh, she's kind of bad, though. Yeah, uh, not not enough not enough goth girls in Spider Man. Uh, she, she's kind of bad, though. Whatever whatever executive listens to this podcast, more goth girls in Spider Man, please get him in there. Get him in there. Uh, she Put him in the movies. Psychology lab partner. Uh, she is gifted and quirky, uh, a scientific type who is also fanatical in her devotion to Spider-Man. She has a a Spider-Man love journal. Like, and she, like, if anybody had a scrap of Spider-Man's hair, it would probably be this bitch. She's, she's nuts for Spider-Man. Uh, a goth girl who loves Spider-Man is precisely my type. Uh, she convinces Peter that she has the perfect invention to help them score a high grade in class, an ESP crown. The thing uh, from Ghostbusters that uh, yeah, Louis exactly. Tully wears on his head. <laughs> uh, that she wants to demonstrate by reading Peter's mind in her room. Uh, I'm, I, I, would, I would also do what Peter did and, and let the goth girl put her stupid uh, astrology weirdo hat on me just to, you know, do that. But like, good lord, it's made of like a toaster with with like circuit boards in the toaster. Some James would, Rolfe shit. You, you should. You, he really should have just been like, "Yes, I believe in astrology." Can I please fuck now? He just starts rattling off his like rising and and his, all his houses that he's memorized for the specific moment just to pull astrology bitches. Uh, while she's wearing the ESP crown, attempting to read Peter's mind. The crown malfunctions, believe it or not, uh, jolting her brain with electricity to the point uh, where after it, you know, attacks her brain, uh, the voltage has altered Christina's reality perception. And she now has like a living Spider-Man hallucination uh, that lives in her her love journal and advises her on how to get close to the real Spider-Man that this show is out to her. This show is fucking nuts. Like this is the this is the jump the shark moment where it's great goth lady gets zapped in the head by the thing mm-hmm. from Ghostbusters and then suddenly has a psychotic break where she believes that Spider-Man is talking to her and she's trying to like get them to fall in love. Yeah. And she also and has an acid gun. All of us, yeah, oh acid. yeah, we're getting there. We're getting there. Uh it earlier, but like this show is nuts. She has this love journal with a uh, talking like that scene in like the original made for TV it where Pennywise is like talking in the photo journal or whatever. She has one of those, but that's Spider-Man. It's like the book from Mist. And the best way the book advises her to get Spider-Man's attention is going to be to jump off a bridge and try to kill herself. Uh, You know, like you do. What is this show? Spider-Man, of course, is like, no, don't do that, and rescues her. And when she tries to be like, oh, Spider-Man, you saved me, he's like, fuck you. Don't do that again. I hate you. And webs away. Fuck you, bitch. So Christina is now no longer able to distinguish fantasy from reality and sets her sights on MJ uh, as her next target for Spider-Man's affection, 
who she views as major competition, uh, you know, after all the times Spider-Man has saved her ass. She uses her acid gun and kidnaps MJ and takes her to a wedding venue to await Spider-Man to show up and profess his feelings. Oh, wait, you, uh, you forgot. You forgot the other subplot of this episode, which is that MJ really wants to talk to Peter about their individual little yeah. tidbits. So she so she comes she comes up with little notes for them to pass around. And Peter is trying right. to come up with like a personal uh, fact about himself that isn't like I'm a Spider-Man. Uh, so they end up going to the library to share their notes. Peter's note is that he's like allergic to some kind of fish or something. But MJ's note is that she like used to hide in the closet when her parents were like yeah, fighting. It's so it's fucking like, cringe. It's inducing. so it's so like heavy and dark. And Peter's like reading it out loud in the library. It's like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah, wow. It sounds like your childhood really sucked. Anyway, my aunt loved me a lot. My aunt, my aunt who's not in this show. <laughs> yeah, fuck her. Um, in our climax here, um, Spider-Man is forced to put on the ESP crown himself, which Christina says, uh, she can use to divine his secret identity, uh, which she says is average and unexciting. Uh, and while this is happening, while she thinks she's, uh, figuring this out, uh, Peter flees with MJ, uh, and breaks into, uh, an elevator to get away. Uh, Christina is also in an elevator. Uh, there's a little elevator sequence as they're getting away. Uh, Spider-Man eventually stops Christina's elevator with webbing and saves her from just crashing to the ground and dying. Or rather, sorry, he saves MJ, right? And Christina yeah, is left MJ. in the elevator. And at first, with everything that has fucking happened in this show so far, I just fully expected her to slam into the ground and die, which is kind yeah, of... Yeah, I straight up thought she was going to die. I, I had written while I'm taking my notes that she's dead. And then they do give us like the her being wheeled away on a gurney with like a, a, a neck brace on and, you know, more mental trauma notes and stuff. But like I had to go back and redact that like, oh, no, wow, wow, no, she actually lived. Never mind. Someone this lived show the is so show this show once. is so fucked up. Uh, she just fell down an elevator shaft. Don't worry about it. Uh, MJ and, and Spider-Man have a little discussion about his secret identity and how it should remain a secret. Uh, before they part, and also on the outside of that, uh, Peter and MJ make up from their little note-giving, you know, fiasco. He he relates that he said stupid shit, and she realizes, oh, maybe I was asking too much by asking you to do this very simple thing, Peter. And that just wraps up the episode. <laughs> what is this? It is so dramatic, and... Uh... I, I want to like it. I really do. I want to like this show. But at the end of the day, it's just like headache inducing. But I can't look away. As, as soon as I watched, I watched this episode yesterday as of when we're recording this. So Tuesday, I watched this on Tuesday. And as soon as I got to episode because I started episode six it was when I started on Tuesday. And then I was like, oh, that was good. And then I watched episode seven. And it's like, oh, no, <laughs> what is going to happen next? And then we get into like the most dour episode yeah. other than the finale yes this is this one's kind of morbid uh episode eight the party which again i want to say this is probably my favorite episode of the show i've seen it at least twice what uh, is wrong with you? a lot uh but with that said uh i think this is an interesting episode and as as depressing as it is uh and as pointless as it ends up being with its second part later um i don't know i feel like this captures a 
this encapsulates a lot of spirit of the show, like in, in one episode as morbid as it is, because it is a morbid show. I mean, yeah, fair enough. It also relates a lot to um, I, I don't know, like the, the Peter and Max moments. It shows a lot of like characterization of how good this Peter is for the, the brief time we have him, uh, how he's able to relate and try to talk him down and stuff. But anyway, to, to start off the plot, uh, we're introduced to Max Dillon. Uh, who even in college is still a total dork. People like respect Peter and at least like talk to him and don't shove him in lockers anymore. But uh, Max Dillon in this continuity is uh, also a, a, a dork of Peter's caliber that was also picked on uh, in, in their joint time in high school. And he's still uh, having a bad time adjusting and trying to fit into college life. Uh, but what he thinks will solve that problem is joining the Sigma Alpha Chi fraternity uh, to become one of the in crowd. You Unfortunately, know what? Uh, this Max Dillon's uh, still better than uh, Amazing too. Yeah, uh, even the certified Sigma male uh, Max Dillon is is better th- than that Electro. Yes, sir. Uh, we begin the episode with uh, Max Dillon having been taken hostage by the Sigma Alpha Chi. Uh, assholes that are in charge of the rush process uh they're playing a joke on max he's been blinded with duct tape his ears are covered as well and he's got on a helmet uh they've got him in the back of a limo and they're just driving around uh all of new york i think they intend to leave him somewhere uh but they've stopped for a hot dog as you do when in new york and a blind and panicked Max uh, makes his way to the front of the vehicle where he inadvertently uh, starts driving, you know, Hail Mary down the streets, <laughs> completely blind. the fucking car. Uh, to the point where he knocks himself out and, like, uh, and falls on the ground. So this car is just now speeding out of control with him unconscious on the inside of it. Uh, Spider-Man arrives on the scene and recognizes the unconscious Max in the car. Um breaks through the window and webs the steering wheel to steer them to safety. Uh, safety being a giant pool of liquid concrete at a construction site uh, that immediately the car begins to sink in, uh, which is when Max comes to and, of course, begins panicking because he's uh, woken up from the situation he was in to the situation he's currently in. Uh, Spider-Man manages to rescue Max and get him out takes him to the, you know, unfinished construction site nearby, and it's just like, hey, who did this? And uh, Max doesn't really comply or answer. He just freaks out and pummels the metal that they're sitting on. Which is, of course, you know, end of the cold open. Uh, We go from this to uh, Peter arriving very late to class uh, to Professor Cree Summers Science Symposium, uh, where where he gets chewed out by the professor. Uh, outside of this in the hall, MJ and uh, MJ joins Peter and Harry, and they all discuss the possibility of attending the big party at the Sigma house that night. But uh, the other two reflect on Peter's lack of availability to hang out and kind of chide him for his, oh, I'll be there nature. Um, after this, Max has a chat with Peter about what happened uh, previously when Peter sees his, you know, roughed up face and some very convenient news footage of uh, what happened with Max on TV. Uh, Max claims he has no idea who his assailants were. And also very conveniently, his assailants show up and he's like, now there's some cool guys. There's some real chads over there. Oh, my Duh. God. Duh. 
Doug Reisman, uh, the main antagonist of this episode, arrives. the The main Sigma male. I I, ca- uh, I cannot I cannot get over the disparity between violent hazing ritual and funny goofy jokes. Yeah, no, it's it, it is tonally just completely all over the fucking place. The all, uh, the, the tone the tone of this it. show is thrown out a fucking window once we jump the shark in episode seven. Like yeah. All all, it, sembl- all semblance of this being a normal television program about Spider-Man goes completely out the window. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, yeah, normal is like the last word I would use with it. Um, Max is duped by Doug and the other Sigmas uh, into thinking that he's received a received a special invitation to their party that they're holding that evening. Uh, Peter attempts to stick up for Max and, you know get physical with the guys which ends up with him like ninja jumping over the sigmas and causing them to punch each other but to save face and not arouse too much suspicion he lets himself get uh his ass kicked to not give away his spider identity um when he kind of comes to from the beating peter tries to take max away with him but is told to stay out of it uh we cut to the party that night where Max arrives, he smiles at a girl, he's having a good time. When a robed uh, cultist-like Sigma, you know, tells him to come downstairs for the special initiation sequence, uh, which turns out to be another violent hazing ritual where he's rejected and then fired upon by a paintball firing squad. Uh, A horrified and dejected and upset beyond words max rushes out of the party flees down the street and just you know almost gets creamed by a few cars crossing it and he looks up and thinks that he sees a like a sign from the heavens calling out to him he sees his name and lights he sees max and And he climbs up on the roof for some reason yeah he climbs up on a roof instead of just taking a few steps to the left or right to get a better look and realizes this is not a sign, but it's just a sign. It's a maximum shock caffeinated caffeinated beverage uh, logo neon light billboard uh, in a fit of dejection and desperation. Uh, Max chucks some shit at the sign, which causes some science gas to come out of it and blow at him. And at the exact same time, lightning strikes the little electrical box on the back of the thing and makes Max into Electro, because that's how science works. It's the most explosive sign in human history. Uh, If I'm not mistaken, also, no one calls him Electro until like halfway through his second episode. Yeah, that doesn't happen. He's just Max Dillon, who is now an electricity man. MJ uh, just kind of refers to him as Electro halfway into like the two part one. And I'm just like, OK, well, that's the thing now. And you know what? I can't believe I'm saying this. Uh, the origin in Amazing 2 makes more sense than whatever the fuck this was. Oh, yeah, it makes more sense. Definitely. It's uh, I, I I I prefer this take on the character. But yeah, the origin is is a little just OK. Absolutely. Sure. Yes. Uh, Electro, of course, has a score to settle with his previous tormentors. And uh, now that he's this relentless, powerful rage being, he ventures back to the party and uh, makes his entrance and begins torturing Doug before everybody. Uh, Not only does he torture him, he fucking kills him. He fucking fucking fries him to death. He first he he fries him in front of everybody. And uh, the girl that he smiled at earlier, Sally, attempts to 
kind of break this up, but he inadvertently shocks her like out of his control, which only makes him more mad. So he throws Doug out a window, which doesn't kill him, just, you know, throws him through a window and smashes him on the concrete. It's at that point that he just fries him to fucking death and leaves him on the sidewalk, which is the moment Spider-Man arrives is after this guy has been murdered. Uh, Spider-Man arrives and fights with Electro, uh, just beats him around for a while, lots of quips, until he's about to hit him again when Electro is like whimpering in the corner. Which I'll give Spider-Man the moment of clarity he needs to figure out that this is Max that he's dealing with. Um, meanwhile, uh, Max, in his desperation and rage, is seeing everybody literally as Doug and is now trying to kill innocent students. Uh, throughout the course of the fight, Spider-Man gets shocked a lot uh, and eventually tackles Electro from the rooftop that they're on down to the ground below on top of uh, a little panel for an underground transformer. he Spider-Man punches through it and grabs the ground cable below and plugs both sides into Electro, who fades away and vanishes screaming into the power lines of New York as onlookers cheer uh, and clap now that this poor, tortured man is now oh actually God. dead. You, f- you fucking uh, killed him. And then this is also the scene where Harry goes, Murderer! Yeah, it's not only is it that scene, Spider-Man also makes the face he makes at the end of the opening credits sequence shortly after this, where he oh looks like God. that fucking cringe ass face he makes. It's so great. I love it. And I hate it. And then and then Harry and MJ and Peter are the only ones that go to his that go to Doug's yeah. funeral. Yeah, like it, it makes sense if they were the only ones that went to Max's funeral. That's what I Max thought it was, was at first. But then I, I know me that too. Doug was the guy who died. <laughs> But Doug, who is apparently like the big dick on campus, no, he 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 gets three people at his funeral and it's a guy that he beat up the day he died. Well, you know, he was a big dick on campus. Yeah, truly. Uh, the trio, our main characters, reflect on the events that proceeded on this, you know, sequence of events this episode. And, <laughs> and then MJ is like, ha you owe me twenty five dollars, Harry. The tone is so fucking all over the place. Uh Peter reflects on what heroism means before they all walk away and the episode is over. What is this show? Uh, it's a bunch of bullshit is what it is. Episode Which, nine. We're so close to the end, man. We're over the hump. Episode nine, Flash Memory. Uh, revolves around the biker twins, which is the most creative... <laughs> the biker twins. The most creative Spider-Man villain I think I've ever heard of. Uh, they're robbing an armored car. Uh, there's a red one and a yellow one, and they, they have a red motorcycle and a yellow motorcycle, and that's all you need to know about the biker twins. <sighs> uh, they rob an armored car and then throttle up the motorcycles for a clean getaway until Spider-Man intervenes, of course. Uh, Spidey is surprised at how smart these guys are in planning the robbery. They use a lot of technical jargon. Uh, they they do a lot of on-the-fly calculations. It's just really impressive for the kind of thugs they seem to be. Uh, at ESU, uh, on campus, we get Mr. Flash Thompson, good old Eugene himself, uh, flaunting the fact to MJ that he doesn't have to study anymore because he's landed himself a tutor. Uh not quite the same Flash we got from Raimi, but to be fair, not one single character in the show is the same one that they're supposed to be. So it's fine, right? Uh, with all that said, uh, Flash is in for a big surprise when he learns that his tutor is actually Jeffrey Combs, Dr. Zellner, 
who is here to shoot some goo, as Jeffrey Combs is wont to do, uh, actively testing his new brain booster uh, supplement injection uh, on his first subjects, the twins, who had a substantially impaired IQ. Um, he's going to now test this serum on Flash, whose uh, fame evolves from athleticism to intellectualism, as the new serum allows him to charm members of the female student body with his wit and knowledge and recitation of Shakespeare, even in foreign languages. It's very, you know, very cartoon plot. He, he had a smart juice injection. Always sunny style. Um, the twins are also, throughout the course of this, continuing to have Dr. Zellner pump them full of the brain booster uh, in, an effect, in an effort to pull off more elaborate crimes that Spider-Man continually attempts to stop. Um, throughout the course of that plot, Peter is also worried about Flash and the changes that he's going through with uh, that accompany this smart juice and recognizing that, you know, the same thing is happening with Flash that's happening with the criminals he's fighting. Um, eventually, Dr. Zellner wants to test his serum on a candidate that he already deems intelligent, uh, and recruits Flash to kidnap Peter to be a new test subject of the juice. Um, <clears throat> at a point, uh, sorry, I lost my fucking there's a, there. While you, while you try to find where you were, there's a fucking uh, scene where, where Flash has obviously gotten his smart juice, and he's like throwing MJ up and down uh and like reciting Shakespeare at the same time, and she's like falling for him. Yeah, this show is gonna even put these characters already have like an established history and broke up. This show is gonna put me in a fucking straitjacket. It's like, pretty, pretty dumb. I, it's it, this episode is so fuck weird and fucked up and bad that I forgot that Flash and MJ were already in a relationship in Rainy One. I completely forgot that until you mm -hmm. said that. Yeah, this show is nuts. Um, yeah. So they they attempt to kidnap Peter Spider-Man to uh, inject him with juice, but uh, he escapes before that can happen. And Indy drives him to where Zellner has fled with Flash on the subway. Uh, in the subway car, Zellner stabs Peter with a syringe. But if I'm not mistaken, I don't remember that doing it like anything like I, I, I remember going, OK, what's going to happen? And then like nothing happened. He didn't get like woozy or like lose his powers or anything. He just. Kind of got stabbed with a syringe. He's like, oh, no. Uh, at a point, Spider-Man uses his web to attach a camera to Flash, um, which allowed him to record like a conversation between Flash and the doctor in which they were able to like reverse engineer a cure for the side effects of the smart juice that made Flash weak. It's yeah, all yeah. very, Flat very rushed. Uh, basically, Dr. Zellner tells Flash that his brain is so strong that it's killing him. Uh, mm -hmm. And he tries to contact Peter and Peter's like trying to sell photos to Jameson. And, and uh, Jameson gives like a, a funny line where he's like, what are you doing? I'm not done throwing you out. Yeah, that's, that's a good, good line. Uh, but yeah, Spider-Man gets fucking injected with uh, like horse tranquilizer or whatever. And he can't fucking get it up with his webs. He like shoots like limp dick webs. It's really funny. Yeah, uh, but right at the end, he ends up using that recording to save Flash's life. He does some science stuff, which I think is fun uh, and, and makes a, a sauce that will will cure Flash. But he gets to be stupid again. 
Yep, and that's that's where we end off on this one. Is is we've just met our big stupid Flash for this series, and that's it. You he's don't gone see him ever again because there's Tell just what four he's episodes won. left, and Flash is in none of them. Sorry, Flash. We'll we'll see you in the Amazing Spider-Man. What is this show? Uh, we move on. Uh, unless you had anything else you wanted to say about that one. No, I, I got all my notes. I'm good. <laughs> uh, we move on to episode 10 of 13. Spider-Man disabled. Uh, Peter Parker is photographing, photographering and covering a photographing. I think you mean. No, no I'm pretty sure I mean photographering uh, sure. a, a press conference where the mayor of New York City and Tremaine, a visiting Euro dignitary, are addressing the public. Um, as they leave the event, their limousine is shot at with a dart bomb by Silver Sable, because, you know, she her iconic dart bombs, I guess. Well, it's more iconic than her staple gun from Spectacular. Yeah, her fucking quake nail gun. Uh, it is, as, it is really funny to me that this show and Spectacular both have a Sable in it, which is not really all that common in Spider-Man media. Yeah, uh, for real. But, you know. But yeah, and the other thing is that I realized that the, obviously we'll find out later that Peter ends up catching uh, Silver Sable in his camera when he's recording the, the 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 press conference, and it made me realize that this episode is basically just a pastiche on Blowout, the Brian De Palma movie. Have you ever seen that? Uh, I think I have. It's basically I know, I'm the exact same Blow plot. I've not seen Blowout. No, Blow Blow Up is is what Blowout is based on. Uh, but it's the oh, okay. same general plot of there's some kind of murder thing, political murder that happens uh, and somebody ends up recording it like. What is this show? <laughs> the Spider-Man's a pruder film. Exactly. The Spider-Man's a pruder film. Uh, Spider-Man, of course, comes to the rescue. Uh, Peter commandeers the limo and drives it off a bridge so it can safely explode. Uh, they just trust him too. He's like, "Hey, give me this limo. Trust me." Uh, Indy shows up. Uh, the ever helpful intern of News Channel Empire One, and uh, she helps him sell footage of the press conference and ensuing car commotion to the network. Uh, at which point, Peter officially asks her out, which she enthusiastically agrees to. Uh, at the meanwhile, Silver Sable is watching the news with her goon. And uh, then orders him into a melee weapon duel with her for respect is what I have written down here. Uh, I don't know. I don't ask questions. I've I've stopped asking questions at this point. Yeah, I'm just making sure I'm completely sane and that happened. He's got nunchucks and he just does them for a while and some, you know, lovely mocap. Sable needs the footage of the conference uh, because, of course, that footage proves she's the would be assassin. And uh, sends her goon after Peter, the you know notable photographer, videographer of the Daily Bugle. Uh, Peter and Harry's apartment is ransacked that night uh, by goons with more Elmer Fudd shotguns, because of course it's super jarring and hilarious every time I see it. But there it is. Um, they fire a lot of guns in this apartment for the fact that they didn't actually see anybody there. Yeah, um, yeah, blow up. Yeah, shoot the light out with a fucking sawed-off shotgun. Um, eventually, it's divined that the uh, the conclusion is made. The robbers were after the videotape or the video footage, rather, shot during the mayor's speech. Uh, as they're leaving, Spider-Man, you know, exits the building as well and lands on their van. 
However, they have Spider-Man proof to the van with an electrified roof that knocks Peter off of the traffic where he's hit by a few cars and immediately bloodies him up and cuts him up a bit. Gotta make sure um, Spider-Man proof your shit. Peter catches the uh, the trio, the group up about the robbery and developments over dinner the following day uh, with a little bit of bonding with MJ and Indy, who are growing more comfortable with each other, uh, much to Peter's anxiety and delight simultaneously. Um, a digital enhancement of the footage reveals enhancing. a woman shooting a dart bomb. Yeah, it's been enhanced. Uh, and oh, no, there's a silver sable type woman there. Uh, Indy, of course, fucking Silver Sable type beat makes the connection that the woman on the tape is Silver Sable, an Eastern European assassin for hire, uh, whose unique thing is that she only kills criminals. So Peter can't figure out why she's going after the mayor. Uh, why would the mayor of New York ever be a, a weirdo or a bad guy? Rudy Giuliani's an upstanding citizen. <laughs> Uh, Spider-Man moves out to thwart Silver Sable's plans, uh, still unsure of what they are. Uh, meanwhile, Silver Sable has kidnapped Indy, MJ, and Harry and has them in her possession. Uh, he figures out that uh, Silver Sable has been posing as the mayor's assistant this entire time uh, and also figures out that the European dignitary is the actual target, not the mayor. Spider-Man rescues his friends from what the a, What a twist! question mark <laughs> yeah okay and this leads to a dramatic showdown on top of a moving limo carrying tremaine and the mayor inside uh it's during this fight that silver sable reveals a secret about tremaine's identity he's actually the piranha a terrorist with intentions of killing the president oh yeah okay uh, earlier, earlier when Silver Sable and Spider-Man fight outside that gun store where Silver Sable gets like special bullets or whatever. That's yeah. when Peter that's when Peter makes his best Gex joke, which is uh like <laughs> he's trying to get hit where he says that Silver Sable is trying to get her Winona Ryder discount. Oh my god, yeah, so topical. You have, so timely. You have to understand a very specific topical reference in like the early 2000s, which is that Winona Ryder was caught shoplifting, and so her career sort of was put on ice for a while. She's obviously come back now and like Stranger Things and stuff, and she's popular again. But for a while, she got she was you know stained with the the idea that she was a shoplifter, uh, and so you know that's that, it, that's that's what makes it a fucking gex joke. Is P Spider Man now has gotten to the point of this show where he's like, this is crazier than uh, having an Oscar party at Jerry Garcia's house. It's you like sound like you're not ready for some tail time. Oh my god, Peter is ready for some tail time because he fucking gets tail in this show. It's tail time. This exact uh, episode, he fucks. Peter fucks in this episode. He sure does, absolutely. Uh, that and also that, that and also uh, my other note is that we refer to Silver Sables like I have all of my information on my Palm Pilot. <laughs> hmm. On my, I don't quite have enough money for a BlackBerry yet. On my PDA. So it turns out that Sable is essentially working for the government, uh, be it the CIA, the FBI, whatever. She's uh, an asset who is uh, protecting the president by taking out Piranha, and she orders Spider-Man to stand down. Uh, even though she apparently was telling the truth, Spider-Man crashes the car off a bridge and secures it with Webb, uh, with Silver Sable landing in the river below, apparently dead. 
Yeah. Whatever. Straight up apparently Who dead. Who cares? Uh, I don't uh, care M- anymore. MJ comes over with the intention of once again having a talk with Peter on the way to class outside of Indy's influence. For the 80th time. But as she enters, Indy is descending the stairs and zipping her skirt back up with Peter having mentioned it was a bad time. Peter got MJ his fucking leave. dick wet. Let's go. Dude's rock. MJ leaves with things feeling awkward, which wraps up the 10th episode of the show. Uh, taking us to episode 11, When Sparks Fly, which is uh, Electro 2, Electro Boogaloo. Thank you. The only time uh, a villain has gotten a second episode other than maybe uh, episode 12, but that doesn't really mm-hmm. count. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, begins with two teenage boys goofing off and playing handball like good Americans in an abandoned power plant uh, who stumble into a weakened Electro who has been hiding and living in the plant, plotting his comeback. Uh, and only Spider-Man's timely arrival saves the two teens from becoming a fine red mist when uh, Electro kickstarts a giant industrial fan. Uh, Spider-Man disables the fan, but doesn't believe the kid's uh, story about a ghost in the factory or whatever. Uh, over at Empire State University in Professor Williams' chemistry class, Sally, uh, the girl that Max smiled at and liked at the party uh, the night of the Electro incident, is unnerved when her computer sends her a message completely on its own, asking the teacher, asking her to ask the teacher who got the highest score on the last test, which coincidentally was Max Dillon. Uh, I also have noted here that MJ said the last test was a real bitch, which I think is maybe the most vulgar the show has gotten. There's a lot of ass. I, there's a lot of crap. I also wrote that. I said I just said MJ. You can't say that. That's <laughs> I wrote MJ <laughs> says bitch. LOL. I just wrote, whoa, MJ, you can't say that on TV. Yeah, this is a Spider-Man joint lady. Uh, Everyone in the class kind of discusses amongst themselves uh, theories as to what became of Max uh, Max after, you know, the incident, because apparently he's been implicated in Doug's death, having disappeared the night of the murder. Even though everyone saw, like, him get shocked to death, nobody goes, hmm, maybe he's Electro. They're just like, oh, wow, that's weird that he vanished that day. Uh, Later... I mean, he got turned into an electricity man. Is that really the first conclusion you would jump to? Yeah, maybe. Hey, also, I think Peter Parker might be Uh, Spider-Man. Later, while she's studying in her room, uh, an eerie vision of Electro appears on Sally's TV screen. Which is actually actually pretty creepy. I actually like that. Yeah, no, it's it's very spooky. Uh, It seems that Electro has come back to claim Sally because he loves her and wants them to be together. Electro plans to zap Sally into an electrical being like himself so that they can become a forever couple. Uh, He leaves her room as a little bolt of electricity. And then on the streets, uh, he electrocutes Professor Williams, who happens to be walking down the street with her briefcase, her monogrammed briefcase. Yeah, he he, Uh, he tries to basically do her as a test run of turning her into an electro. Yeah, he, he... essentially renders her comatose by trying to recreate the experiment, but is interrupted by Spider-Man. Prevents the transformation from fully going through and Electro runs away while Spider-Man remains on the scene until EMTs can arrive. Back is Peter Parker and with the other two of the trio standing behind the scenes of the crime scene. um, It's being packed up as Sally approaches and claims that Max is stalking her and claims that she's going to be the next victim. She hands MJ her audio lab notes on a CD, a custom CD. Everybody in this show records everything. They have everybody's got personal recorders. 
they were all the rage. Uh, that night, Indy visits, and uh, her and Peter begin discussing electrostatic transference, much to Harry's chagrin. He remarks, oh, kids these days, uh, science. Yeah, and, and, yeah, fucking Harry is talking about like that you should be watching R-rated DVDs. What the <laughs> fuck is this that. dialogue? Oh what is this dialogue? What is hey, this look, show? You want to go, go catch an R-rated DVD later? Uh, maybe. Sure. Let's go. Let's go watch some R-rated DVDs and shit. That'd be fun. MJ listens to the audio lab notes. Uh, hears a spooky voice on it, followed by Sally's screams and questions about Max. Uh, Spider-Man goes back to the scene of the original episode opening crime with the two boys, asking around for Max and then mentioning Sally to lure out Max, who's now all riled up. Uh, from here, we cut back to Sally's, where Max arrives through the TV uh, and tells her it's almost time. Campus security uh, later finds a smoking outline in the shape of Sally's body in her bed. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, Peter catches back up with the gang, with MJ handing him the disc and showing him the audio, which he recognizes as a backwards voice. And of course, uh, Harry has like a thing where he's like, oh, yeah, my dad used to make me listen to Beatles albums, which is I wrote down the phrasing of that make him listen to Beatles albums. I fucking <laughs> love the idea of of Willem Dafoe of Storm and Arm being like, uh, Harry, the White Album. The the entire pur the entire purpose of Harry in this back half is just to say weird ass shit for no reason. Pop culture reference. Pop culture. Whoa! Reference. Like the Beatles. I think, I think the the people who wrote this show also decided to give up. They're like, ah, eh, fuck it. Mm -hmm. That's a thing Harry can say because you know Harry knows what backmasking is. Uh, reversing the audio. I'm, so, I'm so tired, man. I'm so tired. We are so close to being done, dude. It is not even funny. We just have some of the most fucked up, morbid Spider-Man to go. Uh, <laughs> reversing it, they can all hear Max's self-loathing electro monologue slash impassioned plea for Sally's love. Uh, Professor Williams was his trial run, and Sally is going to be his proof of concept for converting people to electric monsters like him. Peter asks Harry to secure an Oscorp high-voltage storage container to pass on to Spider-Man to save the day. Uh, Electro begins the process of turning Sally via uh, the neon sign and some lightning strikes when Harry and MJ arrive to distract him. In the meantime, Spider-Man also arrives shortly thereafter, but his containment unit is partially melted into the floor by Electro, and the cable won't reach Electro from where it currently is. Spider-Man decides to use himself to complete the circuit, uh, dangling between two strands of web, one connected to the, the conductor part of the box and the other to Electro, uh, completing the circuit and draining Electro through himself into the power box, which causes Sally to lower to the ground. Uh, Electro is fully contained in the box, and Harry helps Spider-Man to his feet in a little, oh, Spider-Man, I'll help you moment. And rather than doing any kind of research into helping or seeing what they can do, they just hear this thing making noise, and Peter Olympic chucks it into the Hudson River, uh, where and the box blows explodes, up. and Max fucking dies. And Peter goes, I hope you're resting in peace now, Max, or something. And it's like, dude, what the fuck? You just killed what? him. 
you just straight up killed him. What the what the fuck is this show? With Kurt Connors out of commission, you might be the smartest man in New York. And there was there was so much you could have done, and you just fucking you actually put a bullet in his head. You killed him straight up. We thought you killed him earlier, but no, you've now double killed him. Now I'm sure that I've put you to peace, Max. Don't come back again, please. Uh, Spider Man just likes to keep murder people a lot. This show is fucked up. The episode ends with uh, Harry confessing to Peter that he now does not know what he thinks about Spider-Man. Which is comes across like way like it, it, it is nothing like like little, Harry. A little late to the party, buddy. A little late to the party, buddy. It's 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 incredible. It's incredible. So we're almost at the end here. We are at oh my God. the two part series finale. Mind Games Part One. Uh, which centers around the Gaines twins, Roxanne and Roland, uh, a brother and sister pair with uncanny mental powers who are being transported in an armored convoy truck when a well-planned traffic accident allows them to murder the driver and escape. Specifically, they dupe one of the handlers with an Elmer Fudd shotgun into just splattering the other one through a window and we see like blood spray from like a helicopter shot above it's it's brutal they, they wait, really wait, wait. The, there. the very first thing that happens is they're like setting they're like in the in the truck they're the prison transport truck they're like doing exposition about who these two are and fucking the guard with the elmer fudge shotgun immediately looks at uh what's what's the girl's name uh uh, uh roxanne he looks at he immediately looks at Roxanne's tits and is like, mm, nice body nice on body. her. What yeah. the fuck is this show? What the fuck? It's a fucking horny mess is what it is. Why is the, this in the TV show? The twins are almost able to escape. Uh, that is until Spider-Man appears on the scene and battles their mental abilities and overcomes their brain blast with his own superhuman willpower. Uh, Spider-Man then, uh, after the fact, takes MJ up to the skyline peak of New York to talk after the arrests and casually pushes her off the building before rescuing her. And she's laughing after the fact. She's screaming like she's being fucking murdered when she's been pushed because Spider-Man just pushed her off a building. But when he grabs her, she's like, "Ah, but it's like, oh, my fucking God, dude, you can't just like do that. That's so fucked up. Why would Spider-Man push a woman off a building? Straight up. That was incredibly the 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 note I wrote was Peter, why did you do that? It is incredibly out of character. This show uh, like sucks now. It's so funny. Later that afternoon, Peter Parker learns that Teradax, the crime trio comprised of the former KGB agents, uh has sprung Silver Sable from prison and uh they have hostages at a construction site. Spider-Man arrives and dispatches them. Uh, after the fact, Indy is waiting at Peter's apartment with MJ, and Peter's like, oh, oh huh? What? Uh-huh. Before they confront him with the harsh reality that is uh, the ultimatum of monogamy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, straight up, he was almost he was almost there to the poly, poly king Peter. We almost had it. Almost, but alas. It slipped through our it, fingers. It, it, is, it is not meant to be in the new animated series. Peter goes from this uh, emotional chewing out to go sell picks to the bugle, which is probably the last time in the series he does that. Uh, Silver Sable allies herself with Craven the Hunter uh, in a little, you know, meet cute scene between the two of them. 
Craven mm-hmm. has murder on his mind uh, because Spider-Man sent him to the gulag and he wants to murder Spider-Man in an alley with a crossbow. That's his motivation. <laughs> okay, Craven, who has not been in this show before. Yeah, he just t- has not. He has not. For for a split second there, I thought I had missed an episode, like in the torrent I had downloaded. No, I'm I like, thought they, that they, too. They forget, did they forget I, an episode? Because I kept seeing him in the opening sequence. I'm like, wait, there hasn't been a Craven episode. What the fuck? Yeah, like they just keep they keep talking about it like you put me in that gulag like they never it's never mentioned before that, that just happens before they the just show throw it in there that happened the day after norman was buried uh yeah, sable like, oh, I'm here. No, duh. sable eventually gets tied up with another fucking coomer brain joke from craven about this being a fantasy of his uh, uh she gets arrested, crying out to Craven that there has to be an alternate route to undoing Spider-Man. Uh, Peter meets with MJ in an attempt to reconcile over everything, which culminates in him pulling her aside in an alleyway as Spider-Man uh, to unmask and reveal himself as Peter, which she's like, oh my god, this makes so much sense. Oh, wow, wow, wee, woo, wah. Uh, and then... While they kiss, Craven the Hunter interrupts the scene. He manages to use MJ as bait and holds her for a while, taunting Peter and telling him that he wants to watch her suffer, before he stabs her with a poison spider dart, killing her in the alleyway. <laughs> She's just dead. And Peter cradles her dying body, and she dies, and he goes, Oh no, MJ is dead from a spider dart. This show's gonna um, make me go insane. We go immediately from this to Peter standing at her gravesite because when someone dies in the show, that's what happens is you immediately cut to their grave and it being and he's, uh, he is the only one at the gravesite. Harry oh, is not he, there. He, he is the only one until an old man starts talking to him. An old Stan man. Lee Stan appears. Lee's voice. This is Frank Elson. But yeah, he's Stanley. And he just starts talking to Peter. Hey, don't you love revenge? Don't you don't you wish you could go ape shit? Aren't you tired of being good? Do you want to fucking murder the guy that did this? Straight and up. And Peter's like, Peter's like, wait, how do you know all this? And it doesn't matter. Uh, Who cares? It doesn't matter. We, we know it, but Peter doesn't know that the, the twins have mind tricked him into this state of mind, working on their own scheme of vengeance against Craven, and that MJ is very much alive and in their possession, which is where this first part ends. Meaning, Lex, we are finally at the final episode of Spider-Man, the new animated series. Nothing matters. Mind Games Part 2. None of it matters. Yeah, if you have a, if you have some scotch handy, now is the time that, that to whole, open it. That whole last episode didn't happen. None of it was real. Yeah, no, it doesn't matter. Fuck you, and uh, uh, thanks for giving us... <laughs> your, your body is physically rejecting this show at this point. Oh my god, I'm like, my eyes are watering. Oh my god. The Gaines twins have brain blasted. I didn't write that have brain blasted Spider-Man into believing that MJ has died at the hands of Craven the Hunter. They blasted him right into his brain. Convinced by Frank Elson, a mysterious stranger who hangs out in cemeteries, that the only solace is revenge. Spider-Man now tracks down Craven in order to pay him the identical fate that he inflicted MJ. Uh, the twins exposit on the experiments that made them. Uh, they're they're kind of a ripoff of like 
Magneto's kids. Uh, uh, I, I kind of they're they're kind of Scarlet Witchy in nature with the whole like brain control thing. Yeah, kind of. But but that's like the beginning and end of it. Uh, I, they they really feel like in the way that Turbo Jet is just Rocket Racer. It just feels like another way to have those characters without having to say it. I, I don't yeah. know. Um, MJ begins to make her escape from the room, still alive. Uh, but a mind lizard keeps her from the truly exiting. Uh, the mind lizard. Uh, she's still restrained. She's not able to leave. The twins are fully in control of the situation. Craven gets his ass beaten badly over the course of his fight with Spider-Man and notes the lack of quips, which is always a bad sign when you're fighting Spider-Man if he stops making jokes. Uh... Craven gets himself caught in a spider noose. He is straight up about to hang and lynch Craven the Hunter. Yeah, straight uh, up. That's fucked up. I'd be saying that's is, fucked up. Which honestly, like, I, I don't know that I've seen that before. Spider Man, like, try to hang somebody, which is, it's fucked up, but like, of course, right? That's like one of the primary things you could do to incapacitate someone if he was that mad. I don't know. Uh, he's moments from delivering Craven the Hunter his final blow. When he notices that some of his surroundings don't mesh with some of his more recent memories, uh, the ESU, like a, a, a sign is still attached to a building that to his recollection should have fallen off and injured Harry recently. Things just aren't as they should be. Um, combining that with a few of Craven's conflicting syllables and uh, a few of the things he said in the fight, Spider-Man determines that his reality has somehow been tampered with. The question <laughs> is, how or who? Peter consults in with Indy to uh, track down the warehouse uh, by a church on the seaside that leads him to Frank Elson, the uh, landlord of the building and the man who was talking to him, who was hired by the twins. The Gaines twins are behind everything, Frank coughs up. Uh, and when Spider-Man seeks them out to confront them, they are pissed that he didn't kill Craven. Uh <laughs> Calling Spider-Man uh, like on the phone to lure him in, they demand that he kill Craven, or they're gonna kill MJ. Uh, yeah. He shows up instead. Fuck you! And during the final confrontation, it looks like Spider-Man is winning as he frees MJ from their grasp. Uh, things take a turn for the worse when the twins use their mental tricks on Peter. He uh, had believed he had the female twin Roxanne in his grasp and was choking her. Uh, during the choking, she kind of stumbles. He kind of pushes. It's not like super duper clear where all the blame lies, yeah, but it's not one it's way not or a, another. It's not hundred percent clear. After a tussle, Roxanne falls over the edge of the building onto her back, way down below, seemingly dead. Until Peter turns around and finds both Gaines twins laughing in his face, asking him to look over the edge again. And when Peter looks over the edge, he sees his girlfriend Indy who had arrived chasing the story of all of this shit going down. And it's painted pretty clear by a dozen witnesses that Spider-Man threw this woman off a ledge after choking her, and she's now comatose to the point of, like, near brain death. Oh my god! <laughs> uh, Spider-Man is fucking morose with this. This, sh this show is insane, and, like, I actually kind of like this twist, but it's fucking nuts. Yeah, it's way out of left field. I mean, not 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 unexpected. I don't mean to say that because the show has been completely fucking nuts so far, but yeah. it's very out of character and out of it's it's the big it's almost as jar it's as jarring as how like the Gwen Stacy death must have come across to people at the time, I guess. Yeah, 
it's uh, it's it's jarring. i don't even know how to describe how insane it's i i can only describe it as insane spider-man uh there, there's a ton of anti-Spider-Man public rhetoric going around now. The public sentiment is just Spider-Man fucking sucks. He killed Norman Osborn. He, he just about tried to kill an indie. This guy fucking sucks. We hate him. Even like J. Jonah Jameson is going on the news like, leave town. Fuck off. We hate you. Oh, my God. Go fuck just, yourself. Just stop. Just kill yourself. Go, oh my God. Leave. Uh, Peter's like, OK, yeah. But one last thing. And he tracks down the twins to a propane factory. He knocks out the man and then through a uh, like a car chase sequence has the lady like crash into the, an electrical conduit and just blows them both up. He like actually seeks them out and murders them, which is like the third or fourth murder Spider-Man has committed on this show. Yeah. Um, but this one was like on purpose and a calculated act of vengeance and is like completely like in Spider-Man's code of ethics and like legally indefensible. He tracked these people down and killed them on purpose. Like there's no <laughs> dancing around that. After this, a spiritless, dejected and morose Peter Parker tightly packs up his Spider-Man suit with bricks in a suitcase and chucks it into the river, allowing it to sink into the murky depths and says, fuck you. I'm not Spider-Man anymore. Spider-Man is dead. I'm just Peter Parker. Whatever. Credits. Too bad no one told me that being a superhero is an impossible game to win. Or that the ones closest to me would always suffer the most. Some who hold a grudge against me. And some who tried to give me so much only to lose everything. I don't want to cause any more pain here. I can't live with that burden any longer. So it's time for me to say goodbye, Spider-Man. Oh, end of the series. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is Spider-Man, the animated series. The new animated the new series. animated series. I and can't believe it was this pretty is, new. This, I can't. I did not expect to say this going in, but this is more nuts than the spectacular cliffhanger. Fucking no, ludicrous. Yeah. The, Lex updated me throughout the viewing of like his episodes because I knocked out most of I knocked out mine pretty much solidly throughout the week. He texted me like, "Oh, hey, I'm on episode four. This is nuts. Hey, I'm on episode eight. What the fuck? You know, just it, yeah." Just I said, in, "Okay, so increasingly, the first, thing, the first thing I said was I just finished episode four and I thought the show rocks." Uh, and then he's like, and "Then you said I have about four left, and I think it's going to kill me. I hate most of it. This is going to be another fun episode." I'm like, "I think this might be the first time we fundamentally disagree on something." And then I'm like, "Just watched episode seven. The show is insane. Finished episode eight. Nutso program." I think at that point I might have been done already, and in my head I'm like, "Oh, Lex. Oh no. This this is like the most depressing ending for a Spider-Man show. And like, yeah. obviously they were going to do more shit in the second season, but like who would want more of this? Yeah. I can't say I'm itching to, you know, I I've, I've, te I've said that it'd be a fun thing to touch upon in the future, like project that's, you know, crossover related, like spider verse two or three or whatever. It also it would be fine if they never acknowledge this ever again. <laughs> I mean, I would be fine with like a, a revival thing if we got consistent writing because this yeah. doesn't have any like it. This show is a nightmare. Uh, these models in 4K would be great. You could make this show in fucking source filmmaker now. You could. 
before we get even even go into our our final thoughts, uh, Alex, do you have any f- fun facts for this nightmare? I have a pretty concise list of them. Yeah, uh, the show was originally conceived. Of- as an adaptation of Ultimate Spider-Man, the comic book. Uh, but the plans for that changed when Sam Raimi's Spider-Man proved to be such a box office smash. Uh, Marvel crafted this as a sequel TV series set during the college years to tide fans over until two, but then eventually uh, abandoned the continuity, obviously. Uh, since the series was developed for MTV, stories were free of censorship marring kids' programming. So not only was this one of the first programs that allowed Spider-Man to punch... Uh, it was also the first program that were, you know, on-screen deaths, mild bad language, sexual implications. And from what I've seen, this is still probably the most, like, adult Spider-Man adaptation. Even yeah, even, I, even I would outside of, like, so. amazing and stuff. It's it's very young. It's it's past young adult themed. It's very much squarely aimed at, like, MTV youths of the time. You know, older yeah. teens and younger 20s. Absolutely. Um Glitches in the computer animation program led to changes in both MJ and Craven's uh, outfits as as opposed to their comic book counterparts. Uh, specifically, MJ was going to have a lot longer hair and Craven was going to have his lion mane vest. But uh, the the hair like effects just weren't there for like the tendrils of like, you know, the tufts of hair and the long hair that would just clip through the bodies. Uh, so they gave MJ short hair and just gave Craven a fucking leather jacket and called it a day. I actually kind of like the leather jacket that Craven wears. Yeah, it's it's pretty uh, dope. Little cheetah print like yeah. armbands on it. Yeah, and this uh, and I, yeah, I, like I said earlier, I like I like MJ's redesign. I think they did a good job on it. But mm-hmm. yeah, uh, at the end of her episode, Christina thinks that she's discovered Spider-Man's secret identity, and everyone anxiously awaits her answer, only for her to reveal that it was Ming, the drip den guy, the coffee guy. Yeah, the coffee uh, guy who, who shows up later in an episode. Uh, I think I don't I don't remember which one it is, but like th- they're there in the middle of the night and he's still working like what the dedication to the craft, dude. The guy who voices Ming is Reno Romano, who voiced Spider-Man and Spider-Man Unlimited and the first two PlayStation games. Oh, so, that's fun. Kind of. Yeah. Ming, the drip den guy is Spider-Man. He is. Uh, according to the producers, the network frowned on old people, hence why we don't <laughs> see J. Jonah Jameson that much, and we only see Aunt May in a picture, and we don't see Robbie at all. MTV, that's that's what I have on paper. They <laughs> frowned upon old people. They frowned upon old people? They don't want to see some old fogey. They want to see Spider-Man get his dick sucked and punch some guy in the face. Put it There's, on. This show is nuts. I, I don't know what else to say. Uh, Talon was originally supposed to be Black Cat until Eve was hired to do the voice and MTV demanded she be changed to be closer to the singer. Makes sense to me. Fair enough. Uh, lastly, the last little overarching bit of trivia I have is that in the Latin American Spanish dub of the series, the actors who played the characters in the film uh, that voiced Peter Parker, Mary Jane, and Harry uh, in the Raimi film, respectively, Louis Danielle Ramirez, Claudia Mata, and Arturo Mercado Jr. Uh, reprised their roles for the show. That's cool. So that's a neat little bit of continuity. And it is all I have as far as trivia for the show. <sighs> all right. Uh, I guess we can sort of go through our overall thoughts on this program. I'll go first. Absolutely. Please do. Uh, did I, I said it about a million times. This is an insane show. Uh, like I said, first six episodes, I liked. I liked where they were going. I liked some of the choices they were making. I liked the, the introduction of Indy. 
new characters. In in a way, it's sort of almost uh, does all of the stuff that I like from the first Raimi movie without any of the stuff from the second one that I don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, episode seven just completely jumps the shark and then never looks back. Uh, I absolutely completely understand why this was canceled. Uh, this is, like I, like I said earlier, this is probably the most morbidly fascinating thing I've watched all season. Fuck it. All, sh- all the entire show. All, both seasons we've done of this. That, that includes 77, all this other stuff. Uh, I think my my overall rating is uh, too weird to live, too rare to die. <laughs> oh yeah, um, I gotta say this is this is a weird little tangent. It, it's it's a it's a branch on a fractal, like way down the spiral of of Spider Man media, and it's not talked about like we've said a million times. Uh, it's, it's, it's the black sheep of the family for good reason. I want to say, yeah, but even with that said, um, I think it's worth a watch. I, I can actually legitimately say that just to get a grasp on how little they had an idea of what they were doing at the time, I guess. Um, I, I can't say I didn't like it because there are parts of it I liked and there are parts of it that I still like. I, I think the fucking, uh, like we said, the score is amazing. Um, I just wish that it had more time to breathe before so they got so gutsy with some of the decision making. Uh, yeah. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with being morbid. It's just that they did too much too soon. Is this is the all in the first season. You should have saved yeah. this shit for, for season two. They they barely should have had an idea of whether Spidey and Indy were together at the end of the first season, let alone her confessing her love in her introductory episode, and then her being essentially murdered by the end of the first season. It just, it makes no sense. Yeah, they, they should have uh, done a thing like what they did with uh, fucking uh, Spectacular, where they have that sort of confession of love at the end of the first season, and then start of the second season, you know introduce more things and then have the wacky gonzo cliffhanger. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's too bad that we don't work on this shit and that we weren't in the biz in 2003. Hire us Marvel. We can fix it. Uh, but yeah, I, uh, I do recommend it. I had, I I had fun with it, with the parts that were fun. And I got a lot of exercise running my hands through my fucking hair going, what the hell am I looking at? Uh, for the rest of it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. I, I, this show has melted my brain. Uh, yeah, that's our, that's our show. Thank you so much for listening. If you got a question or a comment that you want us to read on next week's episode, you can send it to us right at our email address. That's Spidey signals podcast at gmail.com. I repeat Spidey signals podcast at gmail.com. Or if you, you're on Twitter, you could send us a DM there. The, the, our Twitter is at SpideySignals. Next week, we're going to try to take a break from this nightmare that we're living in uh, and talk about some comic books. We're talking about two different stories. We're talking about Back in Black and One More Day. Uh, the, the, specifically, One More Day is pretty notorious uh, within the Spider-Man community and somewhat has a, a, a vague uh, influence on No Way Home. Uh, I've never read it. Uh, Alex, have you read it? No. It's going to be I, exciting. 
I, I have stayed away just because I, I, you know, it's it's so infamous. I, I just haven't had the time to subject myself. I, I like watching bad movies. I don't love reading bad comics as much. Because um, reading requires effort on my part. Yeah, I know Back in Black is like four issues. How many issues is One More Day? I have no clue. I'm looking this up. Back in I, Black. Oh, it looks like it's all four, so it shouldn't be too crazy to cover both. Okay. Yeah, it shouldn't. it shouldn't be too terrible. So until then, stay responsible. Oh, bye. Check your palm pilots. Check your fucking palm pilots. What you wear? Spider-Man, friendly neighbor, Spider-Man. <laughs>